what you want, cause apparently free. You are a pirate. You're hard-fitted indeed. Being a pirate is a wretched thing. Do what you want, cause apparently free. You are a pirate. You are a pirate. We got us a map to lead us to a hidden box that's all locked up with locks and buried deep away. We'll dig up the box. We know it's full of precious booty. Burst open the locks and then we'll say hooray! Listen, Emmanuel, Velociraptors are the best friggin' dinosaurs ever. Have you ever seen Jurassic Park? Okay, you're soon gonna forget that, uh, how big are Velociraptors? Like, what, six feet tall? Seven, eight feet tall at best? T-Rexes are, like, 50 feet tall. It would take 15 Velociraptors just to take down one leg of it, and by then he's already eaten all of them and then shit on their kids for fun. It's not, no. Velociraptors Man, suck. The, if it, as soon as a Velociraptor gets on a T-Rex's back and around his neck, he can't reach him because it's the T-Rexes are too friggin' big and okay, stupid. Explain to me how explain to me how a Velociraptor is gonna kill a Brontosaurus. It's not gonna work. It's too small. Brontosaurus is like, passive. Yeah, but it do you get the point that a a leaf eating wimp can be oust a stupid little Velociraptor? Come I, on. I don't think so. I don't think so. A Velociraptor is good for killing a rabbit, maybe, if it can catch it. All I can say is that Velociraptors can open doors. No, they can't. They don't, they have claws. You can't open doors with claws. They did in Jurassic Park. Yeah, seriously. Can your cat? Movie? Can your cat open your door? <laughs> My cat can open doors. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're you're flattering it. <laughs> All right, welcome uh, listeners to podcast seventeen. That's enough dinosaur talk, I guess. No, it's not. Listen, you didn't. We didn't solve shit. The Velociraptor sucks <laughs> balls, and you know it. You're just delegating your your points elsewhere now because you're afraid I'm gonna. Prove you wrong again. No, because we could talk. I can argue with you for hours about dinosaurs, but we know the truth. And I think the listeners would rather listen to that than to... Actually, no, we have good news today, so keep going. Yeah. Um. All right. So, welcome to Podcast 17, episode 13409. It's May 3rd, right? May 3rd? Yeah. God, it's already May. That's so weird. My birthday's at the end of the month. Yeah. What are you guys going to do for my birthday? Um, Not care. I don't know, we'll work something out. I'll buy you something. I'll buy you something. Nice I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll actually record my side of the podcast so you have to do less work. Oh, that'd be nice, but that actually doesn't make less work for me. But thank you, though. <laughs> anyway, See, I thought about it. we have right. Emmanuel and Thomas this week, and we also have Christian and James Sykes and the Black Knight from Action Half-Life 2. Welcome, guys. Morning. Good day. Arr. <laughs> and yes. Emmanuel, you have something to report. I have to report that Action F Life Two came out yesterday. So you should all go to the website and download it. That's wrong. Oh wait, no, that isn't true, is it? No. Oh no. Okay. So yeah, today's podcast is uh pirate themed. So enjoy. <laughs> the listeners in the chat are like I don't know what? how to do it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to how we're gonna do that, but I guess once in a while we're gonna use pirate voices. We can't do the entire podcast as 
Pirate Voice is way more let us because then you won't be able to understand podcasts and there'd be no point in listening to it. But yeah, I you think, need uh, experience to talk like a pirate, and if you yeah. do it well, everyone yeah. will understand. Just like that, but we can't because they're not that good. <laughs> but it's funny we say that because as we as I say this, the developers for the mod are actually listening right now. They're they're sitting right there, and they're being as modest as they could be to not. Uh, they are very, they are very, very, being very polite. <laughs> yes, they are. Even though we're essentially yeah. just, you know, insulting them. But we're not. You know that, that. Well, no, we. I am. I mean, I. I bet against them. I mean, I. I expected them to fail, and they did. <laughs> they didn't fail. Actually, actually, before before we begin the podcast, um, how about the Black Knight and Sykes, James and Christian? Um, how about you guys introduce yourselves and tell us what you do on the Action Half Life Two team. Um, yeah. Um, hi, I'm the Black Knight, and I do stuff. <laughs> Mostly coding, a little bit of mapping, and probably later on few props. Right. And James? Yep. Um, well, I've been around since Action Half Life One, and I took on Action Half Life One a long time ago as a coder. And as we'll discuss a bit later on. We, we've gone to Action Half-Life 2, so I've been mainly coding and hacking around with Linux servers. Awesome. So you're actually like a veteran Action Half-Life guy. We all are, really. I mean, everyone that's involved on the Action Half-Life 2 project all okay. originate from the Action Half-Life 1 days. Interesting. All right. So, um, I mean, we'll go into the interview a little bit later on, uh, and we can talk about, you know, our impressions with Action Half-Life 2, because we actually, you were... Uh, you were nice enough to allow us to have uh, a private beta, which was really nice. And, uh, you know, before we get into that, I I really, really liked it. Anybody who likes Action Half-Life will like Action Half-Life too. Let's just put it that way. But before we do that, let's get on with the show, and uh, we'll just start off with follow-up and rata, and we have none. So, actually, our first section that we have to start off is the Emmanuel Apology section. So, Emmanuel, apologize. Away. Um, well... That's, I don't know if I should apologize for this or thank the developer for it, but last week we uh, we we fired up a game of Action Half-Life, and when we, when we were done with that, someone said, let's try that zombie mod that we didn't try. The one with the most boring name ever conceived, Zombie Mod. Yes. Um, and and then we actually played it, and it was really good. We, we played it for, what, like three hours? Actually, yeah, that's, that's a good piece of follow-up in Rata. We had a lot of fun playing Zombie Mod Source, and uh, yeah. they will be on the show next week. We've set that up. And we're going to be talking to the developers of Zombie Mod Source. Maybe we can play some of that after the show this week, or maybe we can play um, some Frontiers, which is another mod that was released this week. We'll get to that a little bit later. But also, you were able to play Neo Tokyo again. Yes. Or did we talk about that last week? Let me finish about Zombie Mod, though, because it's good, too. Okay, yeah, go for it. Zombie Mod is good. <laughs> okay, now Neo Tokyo. <laughs> Neo Tokyo... <laughs> Is uh, God, I don't know what to say say about it. What do you want me to, Do you have any questions? Because uh, here's the thing: they specifically told me when I finished playing it. They said, "Listen, all right, I don't care what you say. I know I don't care what you think, but you cannot say anything that." Essentially, they told me it was an uh, I. I have unwillingly signed an NDA. I can't really say anything about it, but I don't give a shit. So I really am going to tell you everything I know. But the thing is, oh. I can't tell you. I can't tell you anything you don't already know because they've released gameplay videos, and that's that's essentially it. I mean, of course, there's little things here and there that you might not know about, but it doesn't really matter. What's important is is that it is as good as it looks. Every 
I, and I can't stress this. If you are following the mod and you're thinking, God, I hope it doesn't suck. I hope it's as good as it, as I think it is. It really is. It's, I, I'm going to go out, out on a limb here and say, coming from someone who does, can't play Rainbow Six anymore because the new ones suck, the old ones don't have a player base anymore, this is one of the best multiplayer games out there, period. And not just a mod, but games. It's that enjoyable. And I say that, and I've thought about it, and I really do mean it, because uh, there's not an experience out there like it, period. I mean, I, I, I dare myself to try and find one, but I can't think of anything that has a strategic kind of... And, and, and I know you're thinking, okay, strategic first-person shooter, everyone says they do it, but no one really does, but they actually do. It's, it's actually scary. The way I think of it is, imagine... When you go into a Counter-Strike server or a Battlefield server or any first-person shooter, um, the first thing you think is, okay, how do I get as many kills as possible? That's your ultimate goal. How do I kill the other people? In this game, it, and it doesn't force you to do it. I mean, it doesn't tell you to do it. It just forces you. You just think, what is the best way to stay alive? And then, by doing that, I'll end up killing the other guys. And it's, it's, it works perfectly. It's just... It's strategic, but at the same time, it's it's action-based because it puts you in these little five to ten-second windows of action. I mean, f some of you might have uh, watched Ghost in the Shell or um, or read the books or something. For what to, to encapsulate it perfectly, I was playing a light armor, and I was running next to someone else who was also a light armor, and we had a heavy armor with us, and we were assaulting some part of the map. We were trying to get the objective, and Within, and then we, we approached the corner of conflict because we know there was going to be conflict there because I'm not going to tell you why. Anyways, so we get there, and then he stealths, I stealth, and that cool sound comes up, and so we've got two stealth guys, and then we find out that there he throws a grenade, I go to flank, the heavy lays down fire, then they both attack at the same time, I flank, and we, we kill them, and it's just, it's brilliant. Awesome. Oh. That was a nice rant. I don't know why I'm not playing right now. Neo-Tokyo. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's just I can't I can't explain in words how good it's going to be when it comes out and the biggest worry I've had and I think they've had too is that once they release it they're worrying that everyone's just going to be treating it like just every other first person shooter and just running around and gunning but I promise you if if you all play it the way it should be and you will because it's going to make you you will you will adore it every second of it and I do not and it's funny because they keep telling me <laughs> Excuse me. They keep telling me, "Listen, stop playing it so much." The the developers actually told me to stop playing it so much so I wouldn't get bored of it. <laughs> they think I'm going to get bored of it. But uh, it's just it's just fantastic. I think you guys are going to really like it. And that's that. I mean, I, I I could go on all day about how good it is, but the the point is is that they've they've set out to do something and they've done it. It's just it's good. And it's and in, in a way it's kind of depressing when you think about it. Because Neo Tokyo is one of the best, I mean, they've got some of the best modelers, best coders, best sound guys, best mappers, best everything. And they've created something exceptional. But it, it's kind of depressing because you think, well, what about everyone else? Like, do you have to be the absolute best at what you do to, to make something fun? So, but I guess the answer to that is zombie mod, so no. <laughs> that was a long rant about uh, Neo Tokyo. It's just it, or like you, a praising. Yeah. It, it, you know what? And that's exactly my worry is that I am actually kind of going over over the top about it. But you have to understand, I 
Neo Tokyo is everything I want in a mod. Yeah, you were excited. You're excited for it, so you're really excited to yeah. join the team. And I can report that you're wrong. So fuck you, William. <laughs> Me about my Counter Strike comment. Well, to be fair, you never really said it was Counter Strike. It's just everyone freaked out because you said that, and it's kind of funny now. But <laughs> I'm not even gonna say anything. You know what? I'm just gonna wait until the actual mods end. <laughs> But here's this lies the problem. It's the same reason I don't like uh, zombie panic source and why I, I prefer zombie mod source. It's because it's what you prefer. I prefer to have mm. fun in, in a certain <laughs> way, and that zombie mod source does it that way. And it's I mean everyone will probably think I'm wrong, but that's just the way it is. And I'm and I'm sure you think Zo uh, Neo Tokyo will be really boring, but I think it's suspenseful. So right. So, do you have any word on when they're going to release? I mean, you follow it. So. <laughs> um, they say when it's done, but... And if I was just... <laughs> oh, man, I want to say tomorrow just so I can piss them off, but no. <laughs> I have no idea, really. I mean, it, it. they could release what they've got right now. I'll say this, and they'll probably get pissed at me for this. They could release what they have right now, and it would be twice as finished as most stuff that gets released. I'll put it like that. Mm -hmm. It's that done. It's just they're polishing it for whatever reason. I I haven't had a single crash. I haven't had a single bug. Nothing. It's just it's been a great experience for me. I don't know when they're gonna do it, but um, I'll agree with that. It, when it I, looks when I played it, it was release worthy, um, and yeah. by all means. But I think they're all, they are trying to polish it and balance it to like the best, the best. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's I, I just don't see the point of of polishing it to that degree. Can when Counter Strike came out. It had two weapon models and two player models, but it still ended up being one of the, it, well, actually the most popular first-person shooter game out there. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm watching it today. <laughs> you got to remember <laughs> though, Counter Strike didn't have much competition at the time. <clears throat> yeah, but well, we'll see. I mean, <clears throat> as a, <clears throat> excuse me, a genuine guess on my part would slate it for sometime this summer. I mean, it is done. It, it couldn't be any more done. It's just they're polishing it. So. Yeah. From someone who has no idea, who has spoken to no one officially about it, who doesn't know anything, <laughs> I would say summer. All right, so that's our total unofficial, uneducated guess. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, so uh, Thomas, why don't you tell us what happened with the Valve scene this week? Okay, I was about to fall asleep there. I was like, whoa, too much Neo Tokyo can, for me. We can talk about your cat again if you want. Uh, <laughs> he'll come in later. He's actually sleeping right now. Well, so must I, have been his Neo to, Tokyo I rant. I have to say, I feel bad because we didn't give Zombie Mod any credit. Like we haven't said anything about it. Well, we zombie, really did have fun with it. Let's say right now, Zombie Mod Source is awesome. But next week, when we talk to the developers, we'll get into so much detail that it'll just blow people's mind away. I just want to save it for next week. Yeah. Unless someone buys the RPG <laughs> and fires it in the middle of the crowd. Yeah, that was kind of. And and, and not <laughs> only did it not only did it kill everything, it was like a nuclear bomb, but it also uh, left that annoying sound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry for that. I wanted to try it out. God, that was really funny. It, it really was like a holocaust. It just blew everything up. And you had friendly fire on too, so someone shot one RPG and it killed six good guys, four zombies, and almost crashed the server. It was great. Everybody in chat now wants to play Zombie Mod Source. <laughs> it is, yeah, it is awesome. But why, why do people prefer Zombie Panic Source? Like, I, I played it this week again, and I couldn't figure it out. I prefer, I just, it seemed more convoluted. Yeah, the, the only complaint I would really have about Zombie Mod Source is how laggy it gets when you play the survival mode. 
because they just throw so many NPCs at you. But other than that, it's so fun. Remember, we played like a a twenty man infection on that city map. That was so fun. When you guys somehow got up on the dumpsters and nobody could get up to you. Yeah, that was that was very good, and we and that was actually genuinely difficult trying to hold out. If you weren't, uh, it was weird. If you weren't the, uh, if if you weren't an infected, if you were actually just a human, it was really easy. If you killed the first infected instantly, but if that first infected got someone else, that was it. You were almost guaranteed you were gonna lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was difficult. All right. Um. So anyway, sorry, sorry, Thomas. We interrupted you again. Let's talk about Valve. Yeah. Okay, so from this week, straight from the mouth of Valve, Left 4 Dead statistics, uh, I guess, have been released. Now, here's a note to the listeners. I finally knuckled down and bought Left 4 Dead because it was on sale this weekend for like $24 or something. And the reason I did that is because I played it, still played the demo, and I wouldn't pay more than $30 for the game. But that's my two cents. Anyway, your statistics are your pretty standard stuff, like... uh, how much you've been playing, teammates revived, first aid kits used, pain pills used, weapon statistics on like shots, kills, accuracy, headshots, all that wonderful stuff. How many uh, hunters, boomers, smokers, and tanks you've killed, or how many people you've killed as those characters, those kind of things. Longest survival, like it's all here and it will be in the show notes. So if you're a stats junkie, like some people are, I like looking at these, you know, every now and then, but some people are really die hard into the numbers, like put them on a spreadsheet compared to your friends, then that's there for you. Uh, I don't know if anyone else has any comments on that. Actually, I have, a, I have a question for all the listeners and all, and maybe people on the show, because this doesn't have anything to do with Left 4 Dead, but Nick and I were playing Synergy um, yesterday, and we were playing Episode 1 Synergy and we beat it, but I want to know... When are they going to add the Half-Life 2 and Episode 1 achievements to the PC version? The ones that are in the Xbox version. I want those achievements now. And what the hell is taking them so long? If anybody has any information on Half-Life 2 achievements or Episode 1 achievements, let me know. Because I really want... I know they're because the PC versions aren't running the Episode 2 engine, but... Mortwood Plaza was able to add achievements to their mod, and they're not, you know, officially Steamworks either. So, I mean, it could be just something really quick that Valve could do, and it would be an awesome patch. So, anyway, that's my my, my rant, I guess. Sorry, continue, Thomas. Okay, so th- this next bit actually is particularly interesting, because I made the comment last week about the Team Fortress 2 hats, there was an interview with the Team Fortress 2 team, uh, specifically Robin Walker, uh, with Shaq News. And it's a pretty interesting interview because it talks about the sniper update that's coming, and it also talks about the hats. <laughs> shitty, shitty hats that just continue to break my game. And sort of their inventory system as well. Yeah, it also explains the inventory system, but I'm going to quote this one line that really just pissed me off from... Robin Walker. Uh, the question was, so would you say that you're still considering whether to add extra items or weapons to impact the game beyond cosmetic variation? And the answer to this is, we plan to do more than just cosmetic items, but we like to go one step at a time and be able to measure the effect of each change, both on the game and the community. Ah. Which is a load of crap. They're not going to. Uh. It's going to suck. Like, <laughs> How can you make... Um, like, the 
helm of accuracy or the chapeau of invisibility plus two. Like, how? Oh, what are you doing in this game? What have you done to it? You've broken it. Well, some people will argue that the stuff they added for classes was a good thing. I mean, you know, I, I they haven't done the soldier one yet, so I haven't actually played it. But See, the they, classes were okay, but yeah. now they're really taking a little bit too far with this whole hats thing and the consumable items. And I mean, like, really? Do we need that? Soon well, you're going to be able to walk around the town of Two Fort and trade with your buddies. Like, seriously, it's going to get bad. And for those... Way bad. For those who weren't following the TF2 updates this week, we won't get into the TF2 updates, but uh, Valve released a TF2 update, and in the little text files, they put a little joke into the TF2 MMO, saying, like, uh, these items are needed for this quest, and it was kind of like a play on what everybody was commenting on last week about the whole RPG element of TFC now, or TF2 right now. That was really funny. So, I mean, Valve even knows that people are complaining about how rpg this is getting. So, and yeah, they, they don't it, seem to care. I liked, yeah, I liked. Everyone's supposed to break the game. Yeah, and then they broke the game. First day on Friday. So everyone was complaining in the official forums. And, <laughs> yeah. How did, how did they break it? Um, it crashed when you tried to start it. Oh, that's, that's how a, you break the game. That, that, they released yeah, I the think patch yeah. on Thursday or Friday, and then you tried to start, and then ended up with, fuck you, and I don't start. <laughs> <laughs> I think that does classify as breaking the game. So yes, you're yeah. right. And well, then, of course, the rebuttal no. was um, pictures of it. Like, I think there's this map where you can get uh, run over by train. So they made Valve or Team Fortress 2 gets run over by the train. Valve. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah. I, I'm, yeah, trying to think, I'm trying to think what's worse than just shutting down whenever you try and launch the game. But I guess if the monitor sh- just shoots shit all over your face whenever you try launching the game, that would be worse. But that's, I think that's as bad as it gets, just yep. crashing. Yep. And, and how did they know? Was it because there was no one playing the game on Friday? Like, no, there were no players I think because they got spammed the to crap in their forms. Like a thousand posts a minute. So, that would that's, seriously overload. It's almost like a... Like a a planned DDoS on their form. Well, did, did anyone else see that poll about Steam support, about Valve's survey? I mean, uh, Valve's uh, um, customer service? No, I don't. What are you talking about? I forgot where I saw it, but there's a, there's this, there was a survey about their customer service and Steam support. And I, was th- and I was honestly trying to think, what support? I've never, ever spoken to a representative about Steam or any of that. And I think it's impossible to find anyone. I think they actually do not have a team that responds to anything besides emails. Now, wait a sec. I um, when when my Steam ID got hacked, um, I actually had I have a good story about their support. It took me a while to get my Steam ID um, back, but the reason for that is because I actually didn't submit the support ticket. I didn't know you had to go that extra step and say like submit my support tickets. I thought just filling out one would submit it, but then after I s- submitted it. Um, I got my Steam ID like back in like two days, three days. It was it was actually pretty pretty good. Really? Yeah, I had a good experience with their support team. I mean, there's no verbal communication. There was no talking like we are now. But I mean, I got my shit back, and now I'm playing games, so I'm happy. <laughs> That's the way I like things yeah. to be. I don't want to talk with somebody. <laughs> I just want my stuff back. Well, I like to speak to someone because 
ugh, I hate text messages. I hate email. I hate, I hate all that. I, I want to know I'm speaking to the person so that way I can get angry at them when they don't fix it. Yeah, that's true too. So, that's a lot of but and they don't have anyone on their phone. So you know, I mean, if the, if the if their email support works fine, but it's kind of irks. We should try calling them at the end of the podcast. Yeah. Hi, you're on you're on podcast seventeen. You have anything to say about Steam support? What? <laughs> I don't think that'd be a good way of getting Valve on the show. No, like we never would. Could you ever imagine Gabe Newell on the show? That would go well. Hey, it? we're we're planning for it in the future. Anyway, okay, we're gonna move on to the Left 4 Dead stuff because we gotta get this show on the move. Hey, I didn't I didn't get to make my Gabe Newell fat joke. That's no. He doesn't want to hear that. <laughs> no, he's never gonna come on the show. Yeah. Okay, so... Wait, wait, can I just say, though, for for this week's uh, podcast image, it's going to be a picture of uh, Gabe Newell with a pirate hat on with pirates surrounding him, and I swear to God I have this image. Do you have a picture of Gabe Newell with a pirate hat? Yeah, I'll, I'll show it to you right now. Okay. Continue the podcast, but I'm going to show this to you. All right, fair enough. All right, um, going on, Left 4 Dead maps. There's only two maps this week that I could find. Um, and, in fact, uh, the first custom survival map is out, even though the SDK isn't out yet. Um, the first custom survival map is out. It's called Wall of Death, and essentially what it is, it's a stadium, and uh, zombies just pile into this stadium, and you just shoot them and see how long you can survive. Obviously, there isn't any achievements um, yet. Um, or actually, yeah, he has like the whole metal system, which is actually pretty cool. You can get a bronze, silver, or gold, so that's all in the map. Um, so that's interesting to see. People can make survival maps without the SDK. And the next one is Dead Zone. Um, it's the survival version of the Road to Hell campaign first map. So if you've ever played Road to Hell, then you will know what Dead Zone is. And uh, this isn't an actual survival map. Like the timer isn't at the top, but it's just another hold-off map, as they call it. Um, so it's interesting to look at. People are starting to pump out those survival maps, which is awesome because they don't need the SDK yet. Um, so that's it for Left 4 Dead releases. <laughs> and over to the release list, I guess. So, Thomas... Um, yes. How about you start us off with the release list for um, Dark World? Uh, I guess um, I guess we'll start the pot the, the release list on a low note. Put it that way. Yeah. Okay. So Dark World. Um. Yeah. Um. Dark World. Um. Yeah. Sucks. Um. Let's let's go through this from A to D. We're not going to get to Z because it's just that bad. I'm sorry. Um, it's supposed to be this, like, super scary game, like, it talks about on the ModDB page, it's supposed to be the darkest nightmare set in hazardous area, destroyed buildings and dark settings. Um, this whole idea of dark and lack of light in the entire game is just an excuse to hide the worst architecture of mapping I've seen. It doesn't even hide it well. Most dark maps hide bad architecture, but this is just so blatantly bad. (laughs) Yeah. And I know it's made by apparently one person. Fine, but you're still releasing it. You're going to get criticized. Get used to it. And if you can't hike it, then the game industry's not for you. Uh, it's 13 maps, and it, he says on the mod DB page, it's not a very good story, but that's not what it's about. And I'm like, okay, so what's this about? I'm just going around box room after box room, poorly lit, killing zombies, having to stop on the batteries and my flashlight die. Like, I'm sorry, but this... It's barely even playable. If it didn't have a beginning and an end map changes, then I would slot it as unplayable. I really would. Actually, he had to uh, release a patch because the first map was actually broken. But I didn't well, there you go. That. 
But I just like the what? whole mod the whole mod is broken in my opinion, but yeah. you need release some sort of patch. It, yeah, like this is the one that just forget that I even talked about it. Get your little men in black pen, put it in front of your face or jab it right in your eye and push the button because I'm sorry, it's just not it's not worth the time even to play it for the fact that it's bad because it's, it's bad bad. It's not funny bad, it's just bad bad. Yeah, I actually dug up an old episode of Podcast 17 because I remember playing the demo of this. If anybody remembers, Thomas, you were actually on the show. It was it was during yep. the uh, Mud Sheep interview with James and Ackard and you. I don't think Emmanuel was there, but uh, Damn you assholes. We're gonna I'm gonna play what I what I said about the demo right now. Um, Dark World released a demo, and uh, Dark World is a single player uh, mod that is kind of like a horror-ish mod. Do not download this demo. That's the first thing I'm going to say. In almost the last thing I'm going to say. There are so many map bugs with this. Uh, I fell out of the map a whole bunch of times. I just said screw it and quit the mod. There's only like two maps. Just wait for the actual mod to be released. I don't know why people release these demos like this, but it was just bad. Really bad. So basically what I said in the other week... Uh, How interesting before. was that? How Woo! interesting was that? <laughs> Basically, what I said in the other week was, um, wait till the game comes out. I am retracting that statement. Do not wait until this game comes out. Do not even play this mod. It is so horrible. I do not know how somebody can make such bad brushwork. Honestly, you have to have cataracts to not be able to see how bad your brushwork is. When... Little blocks do not connect together. You have holes in your map, and when shit doesn't connect, then your map is not good. When I have to, like, jump to get into a vent because there's a little bump there, there's something clearly wrong with your map. I mean, this is probably one of the worst mods I've played in my Half-Life career, and it is so painfully long that I could not get through it. I eventually got through it, but... I mean, it, it was so painful. Everything was fa painful. It reminded me of some early, early, early... If, if, like, Grade 1 decided to make a Doom map in, like, 1990, that's what this would look like. This this is this mod. A Grade 1 yeah. version of a 1990 Doom map. Like, when I was looking at the screenshots in the video while I was downloading it on ModDB, I was thinking, okay, this kind of looks like Doom style with, like, the, the low ceilings and the block architecture and the, the you know, pits of toxic waste everywhere and you know what i'm sure that if you really put your mind toward it like doom and half-life 2 would actually kind of look cool even if it would be all blocky like this but the problem is it's so full of holes and there's no point to it that it just doesn't work i'm not saying that this concept could never work it's just the execution here is just balls now, what bothered me about it was the amount of different areas spanning no actual, you know, continuity. In one area, you'll be, like, out in a cornfield, and there'll be, like, this treehouse that is shittily done with the trees not actually touching the ground. And then the next area, you'll be in this, like, pyramid. And then in the next area, you'll be in, like, this western bar from the Wild Wild West. I was like, what the hell is going on? Where the hell let's, am I going in this mod? Let's be fair. Don't forget because... the pyramids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But let, let's be fair, because in some instances, it's a good idea. Like the, the demo we played last week, because you went from open environments to small environments, and that was good. You know, that was... The switching up of it 
of, yeah, of the but scene we didn't remakes. Yeah, the DeLorean and like That's true. time okay. travel and old keep, world. Keep keep the theme <laughs> continuity, but do switch up your uh, your your you know your scenery, I guess. I think the only thing that had continuity in this whole mod was that it was dark, a dark, and b crap. That's the only thing that had continuity. Shit, the music. Shitty music. Yeah. Okay. That's the other thing I want to go into. <laughs> this is this mod is pretty much the don't for any mod developer out there. Um, but however, I can see that there is creativity. The the mod developer does have some creativity. I just think if he had some sort of drive or if he was working in some sort of team, he would be able to turn out a much better product. Like, granted, if I were to make a mod, I wouldn't be able to come up with this many unique areas that he mapped, and I wouldn't be able to go for this long. Um, my, my thought process would eventually run dry, but if, if I were also to make uh, a mod, I wouldn't release this, um, but it would be much shorter and probably a lot less interesting, put it that way. Now, one thing that I did like about it, and I think Black Knight, you can, um, sort of agree with me on this because we were talking about this, was the ending with the actual, like, gallery of all his, uh, paintings yeah, his and pictures. stuff. I actually liked that, and that was well mapped. I liked the pictures too. Yeah, and I mean, at the very end, when you when you actually beat the game, it's all custom music. There's an actual um, punk band playing this song about Gordon Freeman, and I loved that. In fact, I loved it so much we're gonna play it at the end of the show, because that's it's gonna be our outro. So stay tuned for that. But um, there were some parts though when the music was just absolutely irritating. It 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 almost seemed like it was looping on itself. And it was just this constant twang of a guitar in your ear. That was bad, too. Anyway, um, Christian, do you want anything yeah. else to say about it? I think it would have been better if he went and made custom textures to match his pictures. So you're inside inside of his pictures and not like, yeah, standard Half-Life 2 content because it was boring. And the key sucks. This was the worst everything. <laughs> That goddamn key. You like you have to this huge map, and then you have, have to go up into a, um, again shitty house. Press a picture. Then some room opens again. You have to look where the room is. Then you find a nice table, Breen's table, and some undefinable brush lying on the table. That is a key you need to open the door later on. <sighs> I think I spent half an hour running through that map, looking for. The exit. Then I just no clipped it. <laughs> now there were some good puzzles, and he does hide some secrets around, which is why I'm saying the creativity is there. He has a very good thought process. It's just he really needs to work on his presentation. Um, it skills. It just doesn't work. It at all doesn't work. And if he's listening, I'm sorry if if you feel very extremely offended. But when you release something, I mean. It's it's all about the criticism, and if anything, I'm trying to help you so that you can take all this negative criticism and make something better in the future, or maybe um, concentrate your skills, because it's absolutely about presentation. As soon as I see bad brushwork, I hate it. I hate it to death. I cannot play a mod. Like, the only reason I played this mod is, so that, is for Podcast 17. If I was an actual gamer and didn't have any ties to any company or anything like that, I would not. I would turn this mod off after the first map. I would not continue playing this. If I didn't have to play it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't continue playing it. And I don't think anybody... Um, she anybody, have to go through that pain. Yeah. I don't think anybody in their right mind would play this for fun. 
That's just how bad it is. So, anyway, okay, that's my rant about the Dark World. <laughs> really bad. So, <laughs> next on the list is uh, Find Alex. And this was actually an interesting map. It's It's not, once again, not well presented, but it was entertaining to play. Thomas, did you actually get to play to the Find Alex? I can't remember if it was this one or another one. Okay, they well, blend together sometimes. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Um, basically, in this, you're you're pitted up against like groups of enemies. So you start in one room, and the first room was a whole bunch of zombies. You had to kill a whole bunch of zombies, and you move to the next room. It's a whole bunch of combine. Next room was a whole bunch of ant lines, and then the map ended. It was actually interesting. Oh, yes. <laughs> because I had a lot of fun playing around with the different weapons and killing a whole bunch of stuff at once. It was really short. It didn't take that much time out of my day. Um, like I said, the presentation isn't there. It's clearly somebody's, like, start with mapping and stuff like that and getting to know how triggers work and things like that. But it was interesting. To, I would give this a higher mark than Dark World because Dark World was trying to be something it isn't. This isn't trying to be anything. This is just trying to be what it is. You know what I mean? Anyway. <laughs> anyway, next on the release list is Frontiers. And uh, Frontiers is an interesting mod. Thomas, did you play Frontiers? Did anybody else play it except me? I think you played it, and that was it. Okay. I played it with a couple of friends because nobody else was online because nobody likes me. Um, but what it is is it's essentially, I, I want to call it a border jumping mod because y there's two teams. You play either as the refugees or the police, and the refugees have to make it to a truck, like to escape the border, and the police have to stop the refugees from making it to this truck, all right? So the idea is... Um, each team has its own special skill. The refugees have a bribe skill, and the police have an arrest skill. So it's sort of this cat and mouse. The refugees are hiding, and the police are trying to catch them. Um, and when, when you encounter each other, the police try to arrest you, and the, the refugees try to counter that with a bribe. So it's this continuous back and forth, almost like a rock, paper, scissors. I'm not quite sure how this UI works yet. But all I know is that the police can sometimes arrest you and the refugees can interrupt it with a sort of bribe. And you have a certain amount of bribes and if you bribe them enough, they go. the, the police go to a bar and they spend all the money so they disappear like you bribe them enough. And if the police arrest you enough, you go to jail. So it's interesting, but the twist is the police can also get guns. Um, and if the police wanted to, they could shoot you and kill you but they don't get enough points. They don't get as much points. And your humanitarian points go down, essentially. Your dove becomes bloodier, as, the, as it is in the mod. So the idea is you want to arrest people, um, but you don't want them to escape. So if they're on the verge of escaping into the truck, you kill them. It's actually a really, really, really interesting mod. And, they, and it's extremely creative, and they're really pushing out something new. The problem is, in its current state, there's only one model, um, there's only one map, and the arrest slash bribe GUI or UI is extremely confusing, and I'm still not sure how it completely works. One one weapon model, that's what I meant. One weapon model, not one player model. There's three player models. I would, just, I would just like to say that there's actually a variant of this in uh, Counter-Strike. It's not nearly as well done, and I'm sure this might have influenced it, but... Uh... But Counter-Strike actually had a, uh, a type of map where you would escort prisoners from the holding cells into a different 
like into a room. It's hard to explain. Really? Yeah. This is and this I is about a remember like, escape. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, wait, what? Well, there was escape and there was VIP escorting. Oh no no, no. this is. I'm sorry, I forgot to reiterate. No, this is Counter-Strike Source. This is something that oh. the mod community's done. Yeah, this isn't something official. This is just something that they threw together. And it's kind of half-assed, but it was really popular. I'm sure this might have been an influence for it. So. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's actually an interesting question, because when we were playing this, I think we were playing this with Penis, who is in the chat right now, and we were also playing it with... No, we were playing with Tingping. Sorry, sorry, Penis. We weren't playing with you. We were playing with Tingping and my friend Andrew and Nick. So the four of us were playing, and then Tingping asked, wouldn't this be better as sort of like a Counter-Strike mod? And we were like, yeah, I mean, um, it, I can see this being an actual Counter-Strike mod, because you already have the models there, you already have the weapons there, everything's already there for you, you just have to kind of code in the scenario, or almost like a Gary's mod mod. But um, but the, the idea is, I don't know, I, I think they can go a long, long way with this. It's an interesting mod, and we did play it for hours, and it's super fun. We had so many laughs trying to get away from each other just because of how the system worked. It was just funny. Sort of like uh, sort of like a, like an old TV show comedy moment. That's because it just wasn't working very well. But it's great. Really, really great for you know just killing some time. And It's almost like a hide-and-go-seek mod. That's what I love about it. You hide in the cliffs and the police are looking for you and then finally they see you and you just sort of bolt it and like, like you would in hide-and-go-seek. It's fun. Yeah, it, it it is a it is a good gameplay, and but like I said, it's Counter Strike Sources has got a variant of it that isn't official or anything, but you can give it a shot. Mm -hmm. So that's that. That's Frontiers, and hopefully we'll see more from them in the future. So keep your eye out on this mod. I think if anything, just keep your eye out on it. So next on the release list is uh, Need for Energy, and this I love it when Half Life One mods are released. Did anybody play this Half Life One single player mod? Nope. No. Okay, that's fine, but. When I see a Half-Life 1 mod on Planet Philip, I seriously get all excited because you what? don't see enough of those anymore. What's that? There's a reason why no, no one makes Half-Life 1 mods anymore. No, like a Half-Life 1 single-player short you know, storyline mod. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, because you can do it better on Half-Life 2. I know, but I like the nostalgia. Lies. Lies. I love the <laughs> nostalgia. Anyway. All right, it's... <laughs> Need for Energy is really short. It's a Russian mod, so all the voiceovers are in Russian. Not really sure what it's about because of that. But uh, you essentially have to bring back these little energy pellets to the scientists, and then you beat them up. Really simple, really short. Actually, I shouldn't say it's simple. It's a little bit difficult, um, depending on what difficulty you play it on. But uh, it's really short, really entertaining. If you ha if you like Half-Life 1 mods, pick it up. Need for energy. Um, like I said, it's in Russian. The mapping and the brushwork and the textures is beautiful. I swear the Russians know how to do it in Half-Life 1. It's so great. Because everything about this is beautiful. Like, better than some Half-Life 2 mods. Cough, cough, Dark World. So. Need for energy. Pick it up if you like Half-Life 1 mods. Um, now, this is something I added this morning, so I don't expect anybody to know what I'm talking about in the show today. So I'm just going to talk about this real quick. Um, the Guild Hall, and we've talked about the Guild Hall all the time, and Emmanuel actually had an mm -hmm. apology section about it. <laughs> yes. The Guild to Hall... To be fair. Yes? To be fair, I was right. About what? About what I said. About... You don't remember what I said? Well, I mean, you had a little apology. I can't remember what it was 
about exactly. I apologize for saying anyone who is studying video games is bad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry, yeah. Because out of love instead. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right, Anyways. I agree with that. Um, but anyway, the Guild Hall is, for those who haven't listened to the previous shows, the Guild Hall is a school that um, concentrates on game design, and they use the Half-Life 2 Episode 2 engine a lot. So I guess what happened, from what I can tell, is that it's the end of the semester, and all the students have to release sort of their final projects. And so because of this, seven maps were released for Episode 2. Um, in order, they're Downtrodden, Base Jump, Pit Jump, Dawn of the Headcrab, The Factory, Firestorm, and Harry the Headcrab. This would make a great pack if somebody wants to like zip it up or raw it. They're all on Planet Philip. These are all insanely good maps. Some of them better than others. Sure. Why do you say psh? They're good. They're actually very because... entertaining. They're they're no, different. No, the idea is they're different than any other Half-Life 2 map. They all have sort of their own separate scenario. They have their sort of own little techniques and ways of getting to the end. Okay. It's just I don't I'm not gonna believe it. So I play it. I just, I just don't think that anyone who forces themselves to do something is better at it than someone who does it because they enjoy it. Simple as that. It's why DRM will. I mean, it's why piracy will never beat. Uh, I mean, bleh. why is it DRM? Yeah. Why DRM will never beat piracy? It's because people who are doing it love, love it. They just that's what they do. So. Yeah, I mean, no, I agree with that. I agree. If these people did it out of love, maybe they'd be able to pump out. You know something a little bit more interesting, but regardless, they are they definitely have the skills to create um, a good map, and they do. Like, they did. You know what I mean? Let's, like, let's not forget. Let's not forget, guys. It's it's not like, uh, I hate my life. I'm I'm gonna go do something I hate. I'm gonna go to game design college because I hate it. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, right. But, I think they're gonna go there because they might <laughs> actually enjoy it. So my, I disagree. My theory is though is that when you learn something, you out of passion, you you develop your own techniques and ways of doing things, whereas they're reading a book and learning how to do it the way other people are telling them to. That's that's my, my that's my way of looking at it. For a person that's never done a class. Well, but also keep in mind, Valve, Valve. I think what like more than sixty percent of their employees were hired for for the things they do, and they never had any schooling for it. No formal schooling. And you can Besides, I that? think some of the modelers. Yeah, most of them. For instance, uh, Gabe came the writer. From Microsoft. Used to, yeah, Gabe came from Microsoft doing just coding. Um, the writer, I forget his name. He's actually a really cool guy. He's spoken to me through emails. He uh, he used to be an accountant and he just wrote novels for fun. I actually have um, some of his novels. I have his very first yeah. novel kicking on my my bookshelf. Yeah, I bought it off. Most of, of their mappers. Oh, the guy from Metasis got hired, and all he did was make the mods and map, and they and he had no formal schooling. He just got hired that way. But I mean, if you have exa- you have exceptions to that. For instance, Portal that was made from a team that went to uh, school for it. But for the most part, you know, people who do it at pa- out of passion and interest, they're the ones who usually go somewhere with it. So I can I can agree with you, but don't don't take away the credibility of these maps because these are incredible oh, maps. I just want not, people just to understand saying, that. Yeah, I'm just saying. I would. I mean, I if I I don't actually. I have nothing to say. I mean, really, they're they're going to school for it. I mean, they know what they're doing. It's just I I just don't respect them more for it than I would have if you told me that they made it just because you know they're just mod they're just maps someone I made. Think you guys are just skipping around the talent. Just because you go to a gaming college doesn't necessarily mean you've got talent. Exactly. I I. I'm taking calculus three, but I am not good at math. So there you go. 
Perfect example. I think though, if these, you know, these developers went on in the future to develop their own sort of Half-Life Two mods outside of school, they would be really, really good mods because they'd have their own sort of freedom. They're not limited by some well, sort of time bound. Yeah, but then I think, we've is got that what the you're two guys here. No, I I don't I don't think that because what was um the I'm sorry I, I forgot the the British guy not the British guy the who who's here right now that is the coder James okay. <laughs> James is the coder James when you learn how to code you do it out of necessity you're you 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 want something to implement you go and you find out how to implement it and then you've learned something instead of learning how to do something and then you figure out what you can do to implement it I mean, not to implement it, but you, you see what I'm saying? You're developing tools you need for something you want to accomplish, whereas they're just developing the tools and hoping someday they'll find something that they can use those tools for. So you're, you're setting out every, every time you make the, every time you do anything to this mod to, to get something done. So you have a goal, whereas they, they're essentially just, their goal is getting a job. So they're going to hone their skills to get a job. That's how I see it. So I, I, I respect two levels to it, though. I mean, I've come into mod coding just purely via the fun of it, which is, you know, and I wouldn't say my programming skills are necessarily fantastic. You're right. You just learn what you need to do as you go along. However, a couple of the other guys that have helped out on Action Half-Life 2 have, are younger than myself and have come through university and colleges and have learned properly how to program. And they also have talent as well, which means that their input is, is actually phenomenal. Um, and in the Action Half-Life 2 case has made it completely possible. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you can't just go to game college and expect to generate games. But on the other side of the coin, if you're a major game manufacturer, and let's think about it, the game industry is larger than the movie industry. How, how do you how do you get vocation? How do you what is the limit? You don't just let anybody walk in. Oh, I can code a game. You know, I mean, if you if you want to get your foot in the door, the quickest way is to have a game that's publicly known, have a portfolio, same as a web designer. But there still has to be some levels of competence. And I, I think the universities. They have to make money as well, so they're putting these courses together to make money out of the interest. Well, I, I know a few it, people on these courses as well. We've got yeah. one guy who actually inputs some stuff too, actually half life too, and he's actually on a gaming course. Yeah, but, and I agree. I totally, I agree. I mean, I, I mean, there's something I want to do, so I'm going to college for it. I mean, I could do it the other way. I could just do it through experience, but it would take me 15, 20 years to do it. But by going to school, I'm fast tracking it. This is this is unrelated. But I have so I know someone who went to uh, full sale, and it's been a year and a half now, and they don't have a job still. And I I'm not going to go into detail why because you know they're a friend and I don't want to hurt their feelings. But at the same token, I know someone who goes to a prestigious game school, uh, Ringling, and they have no discernible talent whatsoever. They got in just because they had a 4.0. They didn't have any talent at all in the arts. And mommy and daddy are paying for it. And you know what? They're going to get a job at EA or some big company just because of the name. Yeah, and I, don't... Just, uh, I hate to say it, but being a bit of an old, older guy, uh, that's life. Get used to it. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I mean, the point <laughs> is... Goes down sometimes, you know? <laughs> but uh, the point is, that doesn't devalue... I think that devalue... I don't know. I just, I, I'm biased, obviously. But okay. I'm just it's tricky. I, I think talent can come from anywhere. And Me it too. comes from amazing places sometimes. It really does. Right. And I don't, I don't think... I just want to make it clear that nobody here is discrediting these maps. And like the Black Knight is saying in chat, if the maps are good, there's no, there's no, you know, there's no argument. These are awesome maps. All seven of these maps are good. And I kind of want to go down the list and list off. But the I want you to keep in mind, these maps are good. 
but keep this in per into perspective. These are semester-long projects. In other words, it took these guys four to five months to make these. Whereas if you look at some of the stuff that um, that these other guys are doing, these mod teams are doing, they do they pump these things out in the course of a week, and they're just as good. So keep that in perspective. Yeah, I, we can't say if it, it we we can't say whether or not it's been a whole semester thing. It could have been just like the the a final week, final project, or something like that. Because they did pump out other things during the semester. I can't confirm whether or not that was a whole, these are whole semester. I'm just saying. But I'm just saying. Nick makes a good point too, because they're learning how to map right. They're learning about you know proper optimization techniques, and I can see that in these maps. <laughs> um, you know, there there are techniques done in terms of like model placement, um, brush work, the way the textures are aligned. That is proper. That looks very triple A, like almost like it should be in a proper video game, because they're learning these types of things and they're concentrating on really the small small things. I mean, how long do you think it takes Valve to make a map in Half Life Two? Do you think it takes them a week, or do you think it takes them, you know, a, well, like a month to make one map? When, when they, they did episode one, they concentrate on those sort of things. Right, but keep in mind when they did episode one, I mean, they made their set of maps and they went back and changed them three times because they wanted to, you know, perfect them. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it just, I'm just saying, just keep it in perspective. It took <laughs> these guys months and months, so uh, I, that's my, that's the way I look at it. Uh, it's just. Obviously, I'm biased. We're we're talking on a podcast here about mods. Of, of course, we're going to be biased. But and the people I I don't like many people who go to game call uh, game colleges just because they're assholes. So that kind of hinders my perspective as well. I don't think these well, guys so. are assholes, though. No, they're not assholes. I'm just saying the people I know that go to them just happen to be assholes too. So you know, I'm just saying there, there's a there's a sense, and this this is not just for game schools. This is for um, people of all any any type of art. You, you, they're kind of pompous in their, but you have to be. You have to be pompous to go to school for, for art. You're essentially saying I have a an A talent that most people don't, and therefore I'm better than them, and I should hone it. You know, it's just the way the nature of the schooling is. It's just, I think I will always say that people who do something out of passion will do will always be better than people who do it for a paycheck. Simple as that. Okay. Well, here's this. Um, you could actually drill down on Planet Philip into the author's sites, and it goes to their guild hall. Um, sort of portfolio page where you can see all the things they've worked on over the semester. And for example, Pit Stop, um, I'm just opening it up here. Pit Stop took four weeks to develop, and uh, that was one of my favorite ones. Most of these maps are all four-week-long maps. So there, that's the confirmation. They're not they're not three week, three months. They're four-week-longs. So, I mean, okay, I don't want to get too much into this because we can have a huge discussion on this, and yeah, but, I don't want to discredit uh, it. All right, you're right. It, I'm... It's good that we went on about this, and I'm sure we'll go on about it in length later. But you know, the the point excuse me, the point stands that you know everything you're we said. Idiot. Yes, that you're wrong and I'm right. End of discussion. <laughs> okay, so the first map uh, on the list is Downtrodden, and Downtrodden is a Raven Home themed map where you essentially have to break into this apartment, get some uh, supplies, then uh, then break out of the apartment. Um, or, sorry, get into the apartment, get in, get some supplies, and, yeah, like I said, break out of the apartment, sorry. Um, and it's Ravenholm-themed. It's probably, I don't want to say the worst out of the seven, but it was my least favorite out of the seven, put it that way, just out of the gameplay. The next one is Base Jump, and this was actually my favorite out of the seven. And uh, essentially what it is is you start in a warehouse full of boxes, and you have to get to this uh, propane 
defueler or fueler. And once you activate it, all these zombies come in through the window. And the idea is you have to take the boxes and barricade the windows up so the so the zombies can't get in. And if more than three flaming zombies come into the warehouse, the propane tank will explode and you'll die and you'll lose the map. So you have to wait for the propane to drain into the, this truck and then get ammo for it later and uh, barricade the windows up so the zombies can't get in. Really creative. It was a really neat map. One of my favorite. Um, Pit Stop um, is... Uh, it, it wasn't that interesting, but, uh, it had some sort of goals and some sort of objectives. Basically all it was, you had to escape out of this room, get all your supplies and escape back out through the car. Um, much like the first one we talked about. Dawn of the Headcrabs. This was one of the better out of the seven. Um, there's this house in the middle of a field and you have a whole bunch of rebels in there. And essentially these, these zombies are attacking the house and you have to go out of the house and bring these turrets to this guy who can repair them. And once they're repaired, they become, they're on your team now. So you can set up these turrets to help you defend against this house. You can also find downed man hacks, which is something I've never seen before. You can find these downed man hacks, bring them back to the guy, and the guy will repair them and turn them into That's friendly so man cool. hacks. It was a really That's cool awesome. feature. Um, so that was fun, what, like sort of setting up the defenses for the house. This is one, another one of the better ones. Um, the factory, this was really, really, really short. Um, two buildings, you have to zip line into the one building, fight off all the combine, and sort of the map ends. Um, the second last one, Firestorm. This was interesting because it really gave you a sense of, like, an almost like a whole, oh shit moment. Um, you start off in this building, this whole building is on fire, and literally it is crumbling beneath your feet. Everything is destructible, the whole building is falling apart, and you have to get out of the building before the whole thing comes down on you, and you perish in this sort of fiery death. And while, while you're doing it, you have to save this doctor who's inside the house, and he has to follow you out. It's really fun, and at the whole time you're fighting zombies, so it's not just you're fighting the nature's elements, you're actually fighting zombies as well. And the last one is kind of a kooky sort of map. It's called The Harrowing Case of Harry the Headcrab. Um, it's a puzzle map. You have these four puzzles, and they all link into this one chamber. When you solve a puzzle, um, a door opens in the chamber for the headcrab to escape. So you have to solve all four puzzles, all four doors open. Then the headcrab can make its way along to the uh, exit. And I won't ruin the ending, but it's extremely hilarious. So you should download it if you like funny endings. So... That, those are the seven Guildhall maps. Like I said, I added them this morning, so um, it's kind of new news. And we also have... Actually, we'll, we'll save it for uh, Media Blitz, which is coming up. So, before we get into Media Blitz, I want to ask everybody, what have you been playing this week? What have you all been up to? Thomas? Uh, let's see. I've been out in the field this week, so I haven't really been near a computer. But when I did come back, like I said, I was toying with Left 4 Dead because it was on sale. That was pretty much it. How do you like Left 4 Dead? Have you played it then? Yep, and I wouldn't pay more than $20 for it, that's for sure. Because that's sort of Because to, to me, Left 4 Dead is strictly multiplayer. Like, that single-player crap, it's like, this is boring as hell. <laughs> Nobody plays it for single-player. Not at all. Yeah, and I think that's why it can't... It, like, $50 is not a realistic price for it because... A $50 game, to me, needs to have both components. Like, I very rarely, like, and the only... Actually, there is no exception. Like, I, I will never buy a game over $50 if it doesn't have both a decent single and multiplayer campaign to it. So, 
that was why I held out for so long with Left 4 Dead. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people feel like that, and I think we're going to see a lot more Left 4 Dead players because of this whole... Uh, you know, I think they extended it even further, eh? Friday was the, you know, the, the sale, and I think they extended it into Saturday. Fortunately, it's over now. But uh, I'm glad. I'm glad you bought it. I was going to mention it to you, so but you figured it out. I'm happy for you. <laughs> now we're going to have to play some survival. The, you know, the, the four of us, me, you, Nick, Emmanuel. Yeah, I'm going to leave you all behind. Like, screw you. <laughs> Emmanuel, what have you been up to this week? Other than WoW, of course. Bag. <laughs> I think Emmanuel's gone. Oh, sorry, man. That's okay. Anyway. Wait, oh, God damn it. Wait, wait, wait. Can you hear me now? Yeah. How many manuals does it take to I've been talking for like missile? 10 minutes, and my mic was on mute. <laughs> nope, we didn't hear anything you said. What have oh, you been okay. playing this week? Okay. Left, uh, listen, okay. Uh, low blow, by the way. What I do on my weekdays is none of your business. <laughs> Even if that is... <laughs> I don't hear shit. Um, so, get a life, like I said, oh, we would right. catch up on this week. It is... I don't know what to say about it, honestly. It's awesome. Like, I, part of, yeah, part of me, part of me loves it because you know they've gone above and beyond here. But the other part of me, it's the same, same thing. Harking back to Neo Neo Tokyo, it's, 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 it's good, but it isn't my cup of tea. But it doesn't stop me from realizing how good it is. So I mean, I I enjoyed every second of it. Um, it's long. This I I think I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say this is one of the longest mods. You can you can play. Am I right? Yeah, it's also 800 megs. It is 800 megs, but <laughs> it isn't 800 megs of crap. It is no, actually it's 800 really good. megs. Yeah, I, yeah, it's when you mentioned it, Get it, a Life. It, when you mentioned Get a Life to me a couple weeks ago, I was like, mm, I, don't, I don't know if I've played that or not. And then I looked at the screenshots, and what reminded me that I did play this was the UI, and uh, you know the amount. I remember it being sort of a crappy UI, and me sort of knocking it for that really early on. But then I loved the whole gameplay. I loved the models. I loved the storyline. Everything about it was awesome. Yeah, it it is. Um, it, it does that important thing where it it replaces the player models, or replaces the sounds and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of discredits it because they've changed way more than that. They've actually implemented their own damage system and healing pack system, and 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 the way you you know take care of your character through damage and all that. That's really cool. They actually genuinely changed the weapons and everything. And I was trying to think, man, if they hadn't changed these weapons, would I have even bothered playing? Because the weapons and the player models and everything, it, everything's new. So, you know, it feels like a new game. But genuinely, if, if they hadn't changed it, would I still play it? And probably not. Because it, it would be just a single-player mod if they hadn't. Up. So that's crucial. I'm glad they did that. Mm. Um, genuinely, all around, it's very good. I just don't like a lot of the models. They, they seem to be done poor, poorly, in a way. Um, and uh, it is it is very long, and I like that. It, it's, and did you notice that some of the scary parts were kind of tacky? A little bit. I mean, um, it doesn't have the horror feel that, say, Cry of Fear has or Afraid of Monsters. Yeah. But it's still there. Anyway. Yeah, it's very um, good. Uh, point is, play it. Yeah. If, if you haven't played it yet, go play it. 800 megs, get over it, just go play it. Download it's, Get a Life. It's, it's definitely one of yeah, the better modes for Half-Life 2. Um, and for me, I've been playing a lot of Synergy. Nick and I beat Half-Life 2 in Synergy, and we beat Half-Life... What do you Half-Life see in Synergy? I like playing co-op maps. I love playing co-op. I like, I like playing co-op too, but it's... I, I, I guess that's okay. It's just... 
I always wanted to play Half-Life 2 with a friend, and they do a really good job at at uh, porting it over. Like, Episode 1 is ported completely. Even, like, the intro cutscenes, the outro cutscenes. Um, Half-Life 2 is a little bit wonky because the intro isn't actually there. The riding of the train isn't there or any of that. But uh, it's still really fun, and we had really no complaints um, playing Half-Life 2 or Episode 1. We're going to start Episode 2 soon, and uh, that should be interesting. So I can't wait for that. And that's all I've been really playing. Um, other than that, uh, I don't know. I down I downloaded Stalin vs. Martians on Steam. And uh, that's an interesting game. So if anybody has like a free $10 or something like that and they, they want to spend on some crazy weird game, um, download Stalin vs. Martians and uh, check it out. It's weird. And if you haven't seen it, watch the, the YouTube video. Uh, that's just another... Oh, there's a James Bond on the screen right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, watch the YouTube video because it's equally as weird. I'll say that. Anyway, moving on. Media Blitz. We have two pieces of Media Blitz. Um, the first one is Operation Black Mesa Source. And that is... Um, they released a whole ton of media. This is going to be a great mod. Um, they're... Wait, wait, Operation Black Mesa Source? Yes. Or Operation Black Mesa. It's basically the uh, what is th- it's basically the opposing force remake or the opposing force continuation uh, of seriously for Half Life Two. Yeah, I <laughs> I'm actually nursing a uh, half uh, half mass just thinking about that. Opposing force was my favorite to single player experience ever. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I can't believe I didn't even know about it. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> they released a whole new sort of media blitz. Check it out if you're into that sort of thing. And then secondly, on the media blitz. Um, before we go into the interview, is The Curse, I guess somebody put this in our chat, The Curse has an official release date now. And I think it's May 14th? I don't know. May 18th. Sorry, May 18th. May 18th is the official Curse release date. So check that out. Um, Gabber is finally releasing. I can't wait. I think everybody will love um, The Curse. Thank you, Stratifarius, for that little piece of news. And there's Rambo on the screen on Mogulus. So anyway, um, now we can move into our interview. Thank you guys for being so patient. Sorry for the little rant and. No, they they up. contributed. Don't 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 discredit what they said. No, very good. I know they contributed. But anyway, we have the Action Half Life team here. So for the next probably thirty minutes, we're going to be talking to them, and uh, talking about what they're doing for Action Half Life. So once again, not releasing apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they will release. But once again, Christian, why don't you tell us? Um, Again, sort of, you know, your history with Action Half-Life and who you are and, you know, what your current status is. Um, Yeah, I started playing the Golden Source version two years ago. Um, Then I went to the annual LAN event that's happening almost every year now in Holland. Mm -hmm. There we we decided, well, let's make... PC free for Action Half-Life. And then we realized it actually is easier to make a new one from scratch (laughs) in source. So we did. Interesting. So who was the, who's the mastermind behind moving it over to source? Was was that you or was that just sort of a collective group of all the Action Half-Life guys? Um, Collective group. (laughs) Now you know you mentioned. Action yeah, we were we were really drunk at the time. I seem to remember. 
you mentioned action half-life at a land but i remember going to a land i mean i mentioned this all the time a couple weeks ago and there was like 15 people playing action half-life at this huge land party i was like hey that's action half-life they're like you want to join in i was like yeah i got that mod so we played it it was just so random because it was like a call of duty <laughs> 4 land it was something so stupid and they were playing action half-life i had way more fun playing action half-life than playing at the land i just found that interesting anyway james so, how did you get involved in Action Half-Life? I go back about, I think I started playing the Gold Source release about nine years ago, eight years ago. It was like Beta 3 or something. And uh, back then when we had uh, modems, you know, we used to share a, a modem line with a friend of mine. It was impossible. But yeah, we used to game, we used to do Sniper all the time. You know, Action Half-Life was probably the best thing going back then. In fact, at that day, it was uh, almost as big as Counter-Strike. There used to be more players playing Action than uh, Counter-Strike. Yeah, so it's got quite a history. And if you look in, if you do Google about, you can find some articles, you know, saying Counter Strike might become as big as Action Half Life. And there's been a really, uh, really, I've seen it grow, get really large, and then slowly uh, disappear. So when Half Life Two came out, um, I think that kind of well, the, the whole mod community, uh, Gold Source mod community, started to die off, didn't it? Just before Half Life Two, and what, things started to sort of take a downturn. What 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 did you guys do when? Um... TS was announced and subsequently released. Did you guys ever change your gameplay or add anything or take anything away to compete with them? We never, just... the, the whole specialist thing was always a bit of a, in my mind, it never it never bothered us. So I, I can't speak for the original A-Team because they, those are the guys that um, came up with the idea. Those are the guys that made the original content and those are the guys that pretty much created uh, Action Half-Life spawned from uh, Action Quake 2, of course. Or Action Quake, sorry. So yeah, I mean... Yeah, we, we just basically took on what they ended up leaving behind. Um, and in fairness, the, the A-Team went on to try and produce uh, Action Unreal Tournament. I don't know if you guys ever remember that stuff. But that, that all came to a bit of a fizzling end because they were promised some kind of deal to make it professionally, commercially. And um, I think they pushed, pushed themselves too hard to try and meet a deadline. And that basically bust the team apart. Um, so they, they dropped Action Half-Life. Uh, I picked it up. I went to the annual land the, that time was in Germany and I met all the dev team and I, I took a copy of the source code on a CD and took over it from that. Really? Way. They just gave it to you? Pretty much. I mean, I've, I've known them for years, right? You know, we've been playing Action Half-Life for about five years, six years. So I know everybody really well. And uh, the annual lands, it just proves how great the, the community, the inner community is because some fantastic people there. And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew the guy Payback. He was the current. Yeah, that's uh, who his name was. That's right, yeah. Um, he's a British guy as well. We went up his house, had a few beers and stuff before we went to Germany. It's quite <laughs> funny. Um, great, great guys. Uh, they've all sort of moved on now and, and got a life and stuff. And <laughs> But basically, yeah, yeah, we took over it. Ministry of Action was kind of formed out of uh, originally the Ladnet team. Um, we decided, you know, we've all got individual skills enough to sort of maintain the mods. So we decided to put the Action Half-Life 1 back to how we liked it when it was beta 4. Because the version one, we just didn't like it. I think that version one of Action Half-Life sort of killed it, really. Uh, they messed too much around with the uh, accuracy and um, all kinds of things. So we went on a little mission to fix all that and make the game... Uh, it wasn't perfect in Beta 4, but we, we managed to get it back to how we like to play it. Uh, and also we resurrected this, this idea of goals, which was quite a major piece for us. Right. Um, it, was, it was fun, you know? We just did it for a laugh. I mean, I... I, I'm, an, I'm in IT, you know, I don't do game programming uh, and I don't do programming in IT, but um, I just, 
it was nice to keep the Michael sharp to learn a little bit more about programming and you know get really into that sort of stuff and, and do it part time. So yeah, it's been beneficial. Was it difficult to sort of pick up somebody else's work like that? Just uh, well, I mean, the as uh, as Christian just said there, yeah, we ended up. Well, I mean, I've always been hacking around with the code and just adding and pulling bits here. And seriously, when you deal with eight generation code like that, cause it's been through quite a few coders. I mean. When we go through the source code, look at all the comments dropped in there that go back some six, seven years, you know, and it's been so many people uh, and different coding styles. And then you've got the actual SDK on top of it, you know, from Valve, which, to be fair, you know, but <laughs> the gold source SDK is just a mess, you know. Uh, <laughs> from what you, I understand, really so is the HL2 one. Yeah, yeah, no, no shit. <laughs> but, the, but you know, literally when you change anything, you have to go in and see what might break, you know, and you have some really bizarre results sometimes, but... Yeah, it, it's been very challenging and a very steep learning curve. And I think you've got to know, I mean, going back to the gaming school stuff, I think you have to have a good fundamental knowledge of object-oriented programming, C++, to really understand what the engine's doing, how it's put together, before you can even consider, you know, I mean, if you want to put a Hello World in a mod, that's that's nothing. But if you want to implement an entire new menuing system or uh, team, you know, teams your own way, or you really want to get down to the, the engine, the nuts and bolts, you've got to know what you're doing. Uh, right. Yeah, it was a big learning curve for me, um, and that's not my background. So yeah, that was a huge, huge, uh, huge thing. And, and, and interesting, previously the guy who I took off from Payback, he he was a web developer, um, so he knew a lot about code design, and that that showed in the code that he wrote as well. Um, he, he knew a lot about OO, and yeah, he managed to engineer quite a lot of good features into the original Gold Source version. And Christian, what would you say the the most difficult thing is? Um, you know, sort of just developing a mod in general. Um, commute team communication and <laughs> yeah. we're lucky we all live rather close together so we had like um, a meetup a couple of weeks ago I think around April 1st just get get together and um, hacked in stuff made a couple of maps something like that then pushed out the trailer do you think it's important for people to do meetups because I mean there are a lot of teams spread out all across the world and um, I mean like for example Decadence is an example of a team that uh, you know lived in the same apartment literally um, but then there are other teams who are who barely do any communication how important is communication to action half-life depends on it I mean code wise I would say it's easier when you just go hey come come over here look at that stuff what do you think of it mm -hmm. not like here. Like then you can help yourself with pastebin and other tools, but just grabbing someone, pulling them over to your box and showing him it is just easier. Of course. I mean, that's something else worth commenting on actually, is that um, in this release we made a lot more effort on the tools available because there's a lot, I mean, in this day and age, there's so much more web tools available, you know? Uh, we were using SVN and Track and uh, stuff like pastebin, you know, we, lots of bits and pieces to, to collaborate internationally because there's, you know, we've got a guy, we've got a coder in, in Holland uh, who wasn't able to make it today. Um, he's been one of the primary coders as well, myself, and you've got Christian there, all different countries and coordinating and having the tools on the internet has been much, much better. Um, in reference to the original Half-Life, Action Half-Life, it was so difficult because people were just copying zip files and email bits of code and, you know, <laughs> but definitely, um, we had a big meetup, um, it was about a month ago now, Chris? We got yeah, April really 1st. Yeah, we, we, found you, we found you drunk in the airport with a bunch of Scottish people, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we, we, were, we went over for a stag do, and actually the guy who has been organising the Action Half-Life land, um, he's uh, got married last weekend, um, but we went over for a stag do in, in, in Groningen, um, but we, we, we took that opportunity to get together a couple of days earlier, 
uh, and get some code done because, and that really sped things up. Definitely, I think mean, just sitting around a table and just hammering things out is the best way. Good. You know, it's funny. It's funny that they they answered that the way they did because every time we ask a mod team what is the most difficult thing, they always say communication. It's always communication. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. you can't have loads of people generating stuff and everyone going different directions because that that way you're going to get nowhere, right? Yeah. One thing. Uh, moving on to sort of a different track. Um, one thing that I noticed is when we were doing the play test and Christian was like, not bad for, you know, like nine months, eh? I was like, nine months? Wow. Because we just recently heard about Action Half-Life 2. You guys publicly sort of announced on ModDB um, a couple weeks ago, which which kind of started this ongoing rhetorical joke on Podcast 17. But, um, I mean, you guys have been working on that for nine months now almost, or nine or six months. Um, what What... What was your motive behind keeping it sort of quiet for, for a while? Because well, some mods do that, some mods don't. I'm wondering what your ideas are on that. Do you want to ask that, Christian? Uh, yeah, um, I think first of all, there's a huge expectation towards the game. Like, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, action of life too. Source engine. <laughs> and but the second part is that, yeah, this was the, the first thing. And the second thing was like, all of us are not really like um, the big PR guys, so we just decided, okay, let's make something up, let's make something that's showable, let's put up a trailer together before we post any crap like weapon renders. So the one thing you never see from us are like weapon renders. You're going to see probably new um, in-game shots or a video for them, but no weapon renders. So it was, I mean, the, yeah, we've. As, as a part of the Action Half-Life 1 team, we were receiving a lot of demand, you know, and uh, the Ministry of Action, the guys who took over Action Half-Life 1, uh, we, didn't, we didn't have essentially the rights, um, and because the A-team did actually form a business, uh, Kimbo Productions, um, and they did register the Action trademark, uh, and they were going to produce proper games from that, but they never actually pulled that together. But, I mean, we had the source code, we had the, we had the right skills, the right people, um, and we decided, well, let's see how far it goes. You know, uh, we started to we started work on the third release of the Ministry of Action's version of Action Half Life, the director's cut. And we got to a point, like we said before, where we figured it just quicker to start from scratch. If we're going to start from scratch, just do it on do it on the source. And uh, I think we say nine months, but I think actual time for you to look at all the elapsed time, I think it's probably end to end. Yeah, we started in September. Um, we first of all got the weapons ported. Then we started to do the balancing. We got some models. And there's a Dutch guy on our team, Duncan. He's been fundamental in getting quite a lot of the material in uh, initially. And once we got the ball rolling, uh, it came together quite quickly. So the last month or so, we've just been hacking around with the, the final pieces like team play and just getting the game in a kind of rough, ready state for some... It, it's playable, you know? Mm -hmm. Now, the number one question that comes out with Action Half-Life is since you guys are recreating uh, a Gold Source mod in Source, um, how how important is nostalgia to you guys? And furthermore, um, are you ever going to sort of expand the feature list? Um, can we expect to see new things from Action Half-Life, or is this strictly a mod for, you know, the old timers, so to speak? Well, nostalgia-wise, I think we got one of the old mappers showed up back. He's saying he's porting some of his old work. So that was a big, that was a big getting, Yeah, so we're getting a new version of Banana Man's, uh, one of the mansion maps. Yeah, um, 
And regarding the feature list, well, at the moment we concentrate on recreating it, but we got a couple of few ideas to extend the gameplay a little bit. Not too much for the moment. Um, small bits here and there, things like uh, movement stuff. And yeah. Yeah. It's 100%, like it's 100% on the gameplay, basically. Yeah, we, we want to get the, the feel correct. I mean, that's the, the first thing that was implemented with the weapons, the, the actual weapons themselves. So in terms of other features, um, there are plans, but, you know, we've got to take it bit by bit. And unfortunately, we're not college students with endless amounts of time to sit there and hack all day. We've got lives and we've been doing this mainly in as much spare time as possible, you know, and uh, like most like most mod teams. Uh, not difficult always easy to get everyone together it's not always easy to get testing and um the recent delays actually we really we really were pushing for the first of april for the release um and for that we're really hectic with, um, we've got to mention but there's a, there's a couple of guys that have turned up from the original 18 to help us uh the guy who produced the video uh, his his stuff his work is tremendous the chuckle rogue uh fantastic he's been working on the textures and some of the model work, and also another guy, Ace uh, Twelve Gauge. He's he's been putting in a lot of work on the models themselves, the actual uh, weapons and skinning. So they've both been contributing. But you know, we're all a lot older now since the original action one. We've all got uh, you know a lot to do. So putting in the evenings and stuff where possible. Hence, it, it does take time to pull, pull it together. It does, and so we don't want to create massive expectation on a huge feature list. You know, we just want to get the initial game in and right. Uh, this first release is a kind of Suck it and see. Let's let's get it out there, get it played, see what happens, uh, and then we maybe had to commit to a full, uh, a proper full PR release. We, we're trying to keep this one not major, not a major announcement. It's not being it's being kept kind of low key. You know, it's going to be for the fans. It's going to be for the fans initially. Do um, manage to polish it up really nice, and we can start thinking about a proper are, uh, release. Are you guys going to? Because uh, you're importing all the old player models and everything, right? Nope, they're um, reskins. Yeah, we, we just we, brought those in for a laugh, really. I mean, that was just to see what it looked like, you know. Okay, so you're not going to uh, you're not going to uh, redo any of the old player models like the tequila and the Budnok Saints models. There's, and a, there's a whole problem around permission and uh, tracking down the people that made those models uh, is virtually impossible, you know. So we have to start again with content, pretty much. Huh. Yeah. So I, for the first <clears throat> release, I, I, we. Sorry. For the first release, you're going to have um, reskinned Half-Life 2 Deathmatch models. Most of them a little bit on the wacky side, like we got yeah, our, cool. our, uh, our graphics guy, he's followed the 70 scheme, it's fantastic. Yeah, it is actually really funny from when we were playing. They look nice. They're, they look very Hawaiian. <laughs> They're all wearing Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like, uh, oh, I can't remember the... The, the name now, forget it. Um, one thing that I did notice when we were playtesting, though, is that Action Half-Life can play pretty much any deathmatch map. Like, you were mentioning DoD map, too, and Counter-Strike maps. I mean, it can play any map that works in Source, from what I understand. Regarding player spawns, yes. Now, so, I um, mean, the biggest, the biggest thing has been the fact that we, this release, we're trying to keep it lightweight. We're going to release with a couple of, a couple of small maps, but the idea is, is we want to encourage people to download maps, add to it, and you know, with the server technology now, you can you pretty much sync up with whatever maps the server's got. So, you know, we weren't planning on major amounts of map content initially. I think that's really interesting though, because you guys really open up your content to virtually, you know, an infinite amount of environments that people can just sort of import. Because there's already that content there for deathmatch. There's already that content there for pretty much any 
mod. If somebody wants to play their favorite map, they can. You know, in the action happens. Yeah, well, if you look at the if you look at the fundamental aspect of action, it's just um, action movie style first person first person shooter. You know, you're going to die through a window and kill someone with a gun. It's it's just supposed to be fun, a giggle, a quick hit. You know, jump in, grab a gun, go kill some people in some crazy way. Um, and yeah, the maps. I think in Action Half-Life 1, though, towards the end, it, it is clear, it is nice to have uh, action-orientated maps developed. Mm-hmm. We like to see more explosions. It's got to be cheesy, you know? It's got to be... Stuff's got to blow up, and things have got to break. And oh, it's got to be able to smash windows, of course. And uh, yeah, <laughs> But, you know, uh, it is still good to be able to run around popular maps. And still today, Action Half-Life 1 community, there is still a good couple of maps that this is a part of Action Half-Life, those that were the original uh, Counter-Strike or Death Map. Mm-hmm. And uh, secondly, you you guys always you guys keep harping back on goals, and that's one thing that you really want to to implement in the n- new action Half Life. Um, can you maybe elaborate on that and what you mean by goals? Sort of a scenario or an example. Um, the quickest way would be saying Unreal Tournament Assault Mode. That's pretty much the the latest step we would like to achieve, so that you can have a different scenario and uh, map specific, and you just blasted off at the, at the map. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, for the first implementation of goal, is probably going to be something like capture the briefcase or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you guys did you ever guys ever play any of the uh, the goals that were done in uh, the Ministry of Action releases? I remember uh, in Director's actually, Cut there was a couple goal-based yeah, maps. That's right. Because we, we actually the guys who engineered the goal mode originally, uh, it's a bit of a story actually. Yeah, I think we've got the time, but they. They did the goal stuff like in beta three, and then Valve went and updated the SDK, and they were using some really shitey tool to merge all the changes in the code, which broke it all basically. Uh, in order to keep the releases on track, they had to just ditch all this all the code. They had to ditch the goals mode, uh, and so we fixed it. And that's where the um, the director's cut came from, uh, the idea, because we were adding in the missing scenes, you know. Um, so yeah, the goals mode, we we reverse engineered the maps. And we got the code working again. We got the maps working again. And from there, we moved on and, and we actually retrofitted a couple of original maps with goal mode. Um, and so the concept was about building blocks and giving the mapper the components to be able to create any goal or game mode that they wanted and not just stick to a fixed hard-coded regime like you would have in uh, Counter-Strike. So if you wanted to make a, a kill the victim or... Uh, escort the vip or if you you know you could pull them you can plug those components around and do what the hell you wanted you can wire together the triggers it's up to the mapper really and we were really hoping that people would you know would, would get into it a little bit more uh and you, you can tell some of the goals are widely different i mean from action half-life one we were astounded that one of the maps you have to blow a bridge up you know and uh there's another one where the building a building's about to explode and you've got to go and try and defuse the bomb and i know that's sort of pre-counter-strike uh ish but the point was it's not fixed you know you don't have to have certain entities the the mapper can just add what he wants and and certainly we we want to carry that through into uh, action half-life 2 and and an idea uh, i've been looking at and also talking to with, with the guys is the scenarios idea and it would be excellent if we can build up scenario files for any map so because one of the one of the downsides of action half-life 1 was it was in it was either in uh multiplayer mode or in goal mode so it means that one map can only support one goal. Uh, however, we'd like to break that concept out a little bit more and have um, multiple scenarios or goals per map. Or even you can have a scenario for existing other maps from other games. You know, why not? Because at the end of the day, they're just entities and 
there's no reason why people couldn't edit that together. Interesting. Um, one thing that the, the listeners are kind of talking about in chat, and we actually played Action Half-Life, the original, or the director's cut, actually, um, last week after the show, but people were saying, um, why, why doesn't this mod have infinite ammo? Because <laughs> it's boring. Yeah. <laughs> no, is, we, uh... oh, I found it really frustrating, because some of the maps, you just some of the mappers did not think it out, so we were running out of ammo, and it was just annoying. Yeah, but... The other part is that um, there should be a certain, um, how, should, how, should, how should I say it, um, should get a certain um, value back when you manage to dodge, let's say, six bullets and he then runs out of, of, of his guns and he has to switch to the knife and try to knock yeah, you in the head. I guess, but it, it's just, we found it, it's just, in our situation, it was just, it was annoying because we, there's a difference between not having any ammo and managing your ammo. We had no ammo. You had we had. I think one that was map clip. specific, though. Yeah, it might have been map specific, but we had one clip, and it was so frustrating. <laughs> well, it, it, it moves nicely yeah, onto it, another subject, which is more about the rounding systems, the the lives. Um, and we've made it completely dynamic in Action Half Life Two. You can set the number of lives a player can have. That means you could have last man standing, but people get three lives instead of just one. And um, all the rounded Go uh, game modes are more like showdowns. You know, you start, you got to kill some people, then you might get killed, and then it's then it's the next round. But I think the, what you're talking about there is more to do with the deathmatch type scenario where you don't have the yeah. rounds playing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's purely down to the maps, really. And where yeah. they place the I never ran out of ammo. <laughs> the, the ammo. I had plenty of them. There. Was that James? Uh, the, the ammo spawns. They are there. They, you know, they are on the maps. Mm -hmm. They do respawn. Yeah, of course. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have much else to say. Thomas, do you have anything? Because you played it too with us. You had a couple mm -hmm. things to say. What did you think? Um, well, I can be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some of the features, and this is kind of a, kind of also has to do with the first Ash and Half-Life, is I just kind of found them to be unnecessary. Uh, I didn't really find how the bandage system currently is set up, I didn't really find it to be restricting because I figured I'm bleeding out really slow. I'm going to go around and kill people until my I just get killed by another bullet. Like, I didn't see the, the point of stopping to bandage myself. I was like, I'm just going to go around and continue to get frags. And I think I was leaving the Black Knight by, like, 22 frags at the end of the day. <laughs> I don't know. I was just thinking, you know, this could be a little bit more useful uh, kind of same with the dive function. Uh, like they're there, but they're not. They're not integral yet. You know, they're not. They're not part of the game yet. So I'm hoping that those get tweaked. Yeah, there will be some tweaking, like um, a roll with it. It's actually stand up again. The bandage. The bandage thing. I don't mind so much. I I actually found it kind of. It it, it puts breaks in between the gameplay, and, and it's, you need that, especially in something like Action Half Life, where it's nonstop. I think. Well, the, the original bandage idea is to stop you from stunting and uh, long jumps and stuff. It's just a kind of temporary wounding, so you can't, you know, you wouldn't be able to run around. It should slow down your um, your your walk ability, your run ability, and also stop all the stunting. So, you know, you're going to be forced to, to bandage at some point if you want to really compete. Mm -hmm. I think... Yeah, I'd, Go for it, Tom, sorry. I just, I just didn't feel that in the release that we were playing that bandaging was essential because it didn't stop me from killing people, so... That's my comment. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be tweaked. A lot. And mm -hmm. then this initial yep. release, hence why it's low key, 
we give it to the guys who know the game, the very first version of the game, really well, and let's get the feedback, and then let's make it the game that we wanted it to be. You know, it's really community orientated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now I'm going to play the devil's advocate here, and uh, one thing that I'm sort of concerned about. Don't get me wrong. I love Action Half Life, and I loved playing the release you guys let us play. The problem is, though, and like I said, I'm playing devil's advocate, is that I think a lot of people in the community right now will download, say if you release tomorrow, a lot of people in the community will download it and say, well, what's the point? Because they've never played Action Half-Life 1. They don't know the story behind Action Half-Life 1. Um, they'll say, well, I get Deathmatch in other mods. And quite honestly, probably in their opinion, they'll say, I get Deathmatch better in other mods. So um, because they don't realize that this mod is sort of all about the nostalgia. Action Half-Life for Gold Source came out way before any of the other Deathmatch mods. So it's sort of hard to stick to something that nowadays is a little bit more boring than what we normally see. So what do you say to those those people and how do you plan on keeping in sort of the, the newbies, the new people to the Action Half-Life scene? How are you going to hold on to them and say, this is what you want to play all day, you know what I mean? How do you bring it back to the old good days? Do you start there, Christy? Uh, um, I was going to, the first comment is going to be, it's a fan mod, right? So mm-hmm. we've just upgraded Action Half-Life. Um, it's The bar these days is so high to get over, you know, to, to, to create a new mod, a new community. I think you've got to do a total conversion. You know, you've got to put a lot of effort in or have some really unique features that make the game stand out above the rest. And Action Half-Life, it's an old game concept, you know? It's, it's an old game concept, but it's just fun. And, and the the... The argument in my mind is just if you like to jump in the game and have a bit of fun, then yeah, everyone finds their own corner, whether it's Quake or whatever. Um, I'm talking really old now, but <laughs> you, they still have those games that you will go back to, and maybe it'll be a LAN or something that you'll pull, mm-hmm. out, the hat, pull out the box and say, oh, that was great fun, man. Let's have a quick round on that again. But I, I really, there's a part of me that says that Action Half-Life will never be mainstream like it used to be because times have moved on. The games have moved on, the strategies, the graphics, everything. But it's well, still going to be a fun mod, I think. Well, think about it. I mean, what do you what do you plan on accomplishing? I mean, obviously, it's release the mod and everything, and, and you know, have fun with it. But do you plan on recreating the old, the old action Half Life, or do you plan on remaking old action Half Life and then making it better and better and honing it down to something that is really, really almost perfect? Or do you, are you just gonna just recreate that old, try and recreate that old experience? What's your ultimate goal? <clears throat> Um, Sykes, you do. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, best way to put that. I mean, initially, it's a lot of work to create a mod. Let's not be, let's not be around the bridge yeah, here. Yeah, no, oh, of course. Absolutely. Five or six of us really working on it. Of course, um, that's not what we're trying to say. We're just, tr- we're just trying yeah, to... Yeah, absolutely. So it's going to take time. Uh, but however, it, I think there's a different mindset. If we can release often and frequently, uh, if we can get the delivery mechanism correct, people will be able to enjoy the latest version as much as possible. Uh, they might they'll see it develop, but it's not you know it's going to take a while before it's amazingly polished and we'll be able to keep an audience. I think it really will. Uh, we got a lot of way to go. And I remember some of your comments on your last podcast about you know the the movie and and what you could see in there. And that really was the first cut. You know we just slung it together, had a few games, got the guy in there to record it. Which which by the way, I just want to say I, as someone who who let me put it like this. Me and my brother, specifically my brother, but I helped him with the releases. We actually made custom models for Action Half-Life. We actually played that game more than I would like to talk about. And and even then, 
we we were actually there when the role playing thing broke out, and we even I mean we we would go into servers and, and play around with that. That's how old I am in terms of playing this shit. Like I that's how that's how much I remember. And to see that video, it was it was awesome. It was that video was hilarious. I just I loved it. It really and, brought, and that's, what, that's what I love about it. The the whole community, the modding community, the group that we have. Everyone's got the right attitude. It's just about the fun, you know. And it, if, it, if it stops becoming fun, then what's the point? You know, why do I sit in the evening coding? And, and the same for Christian. I know it's, just, it's a waste of time if it isn't fun, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, and but I guess what I'm trying to ask is, do you plan on? Because keep in mind, the specialist is never going to come to Half Life Two. You have no competition. This is the only, only action, like movie-ish kind of. Move, uh, get mod that's ever going to come out. This is it. Do we so, have competition? What's that? Yeah, we do. There's distraction. Well, it's, it's not competition. I was going to raise that point uh, to do a little brief talk about distraction. Because um, those guys have been plumbing away publicly. You know, that's the difference, I guess, between the two teams. You've got another group of people from Action, <laughs> Half- Action Half Life era who were pretty. couldn't couldn't wait, you know, for uh, Action Half-Life 2 to come along. I mean, at the time, it was pretty dead in the water. There was an announcement from the A-Team that they would never make it. They weren't going to pursue it. And it pretty much put a nail in the coffin for any future development. Um, and what is? Blog- yeah, I'm looking at I've it right now. I've never heard of that. I've never heard of Distraction either. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay, well, it's, just, it's, a good, yeah, it's a good time to give them a, a bit of a, a limelight, really, because they, they've been working on their own version of Action for Half-Life 2 for a good, good number of years. And But they, they're trying to make a new game. Let's be clear about this, absolutely. They... They're actually trying to make a, like you say, a new game, a new direction, uh, and they're going for the whole total conversion, you know, uh, new weapons and an ideal. But it's all fundamentally from action. Uh, however, what we've just done is just simply grab the action Half-Life uh, code base uh, and just recode it on on source. So our first goal is to just get the game playable as it used to be on Half-Life One. So in theory, you should better jump on and it should feel like action Half-Life. And then if we if we get there, it'd be nice to think we'll have a roadmap, uh, a way forward, you know, features. It all depends on the community who's available and what's going down at the time. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, to, to summarize, are you guys saying sort of action for Half-Life 2 is mainly for the people who are seeking some form of nostalgia? No, I think there's probably someone's going to check it out too. And maybe he likes it, maybe he likes it not. Um, yeah, we will see about the future about it. We didn't really make any thoughts about or write down anything about how to attract more people. I guess there's no, there's no, game plan. Yeah, there's no plan like that to make it big. So are you, you're not going to be implementing new gameplay or anything like that? Well, we're going to tweak some things here and there. Maybe introduce, fiddle around with the movement a little bit, but... Um, so far, nothing really showed up that say, "Oh, this is going to be really new and different from the old one." If I mean, maybe if we get the goal stuff right and we enable the mappers to create these crazy goals, and because the, the the whole goal thing was about recreating the end of the movie, you know, the the baddies there, you got to get the girl, whatever, catch the briefcase. I don't know. That's the whole idea is to recreate those end of movie scenes, but then you could play with that in the game. You know? Well, I think that I think Action Half Life, to be perfectly honest gave you gave the players the tools to do that but they did not give you the the environment in which to do it in and when i say that i mean i played action half-life and as a noob i had no idea what was going on i just thought okay you know i'm just gonna go kill shit simple as that <laughs> but i never understood that that was the goal i mean is there any way you're going to change it i guess what i'm trying to say is do you plan on just 
making action is this just essentially a port to source and then you're done or do you plan on honing it and tweaking it over the years do you plan on trying to pull in different player bases are you trying to are you trying to put your own twist on it i mean i i understand the goal of the mod is to be fun but i mean what's your ultimate goal what are you what are you trying to accomplish i think initially it'd be nice just to get it released uh action half-life in source because that's what the fans uh, originally wanted and i think that's what's actually achievable right now um and we're also learning you know we're becoming more confident with the with the uh, the sdk and that means there's going to be more possibilities we we have a, co a, a continuous joke in our development chat channels where oh but we could do this you know and pictures and we've got to stop there and you know you've got to draw a line and i think the line for us this, this year and any releases we make this year is going to be let's just get this game uh, let's just get this game action in source, get it playable, make it right, squeeze out the bugs, and then let's build upon a good solid game. Dante must die. So <laughs> yes, Dante so, must die. <laughs> okay. So so I so then it sounds like for initially it's just to get it out, to set it up. But after that, do you plan? I mean. Do you, do you do you plan on making it more accessible to to other players, or do you do you plan on changing the way it's presented? Do you plan on? I mean, do um, you see what if I'm... you I don't know if you had the time to have a look at the actual um, the playtest, but the the VGUI that's the major thing. I mean, that's the that's the barrier to entry, right? And like you said, you join the game, you don't know what the hell's going on, and I think exactly. a lot of work a lot of work needs to go in on that on that GUI uh, when you join and what you're presented. And the goal missions, and so yeah, I mean, if we're gonna make if we're gonna make the goals successful in a big way, and where it failed in Action Half Life One, we need to we need to give the player a lot more support to get into the game. Because you know what, I mean, I've always been I'm not being anti Counter Strike. I've played it a lot, I do enjoy it, but it just pissed me off the whole purchase system. That kind of blew it. You know, you can't just jump in a game and get. I haven't got time to worry about what weapons cheaper and whatever. I just want to get in there and start killing, having a bit of fun, and and you know, you need to be able to capture that capture that imagination, get people in there, and, and just let them relax and play it rather than worrying about difficult rules or, you know, I think the main thing is to make it easy, as easy as possible. And if we can do that by the GUI, then I think we, we would be on, on a good path. See, then it sounds like you are trying to not change the game, but just make it more accessible and tweak it and make it over time better and better. Maybe even adding new gameplay modes if they come along and stuff like that. Yeah, who knows, you know, who knows. Okay. Because that's that that was an initial worry. I mean, it's it's hard to it's hard to play a game or put time into it, knowing that, you know, this is it. It's not going to be, you know, that they've accomplished what they want to accomplish, and now they're just getting rid of bugs. It's hard to do that. But if, it's, it's, if a, it's a personal pet project for all of us. You know, we're all involved because we love it. It's a, almost like a pastime. You know, you get involved. Some people think yeah. it's crazy to come in and start coding in the evening, but it's you know, when, when you see the results and you talk to the people and people play, it's really rewarding and. Yeah, it's been fantastic. We we hope to continue. We never know where it's going to go. I mean, we have we have good days and bad days. Uh, some of the releases we've done in the past, director's cut was small, and then you know we did the next release was quite large, uh, and then you had the third release, which is dragging its heels um, until we get some fresh blood in, and then we end up with actually five two all of a sudden, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us um, about the sauce of death? And what the story is behind that? I mean, you guys were mentioning in chat, so I guess I'll I'll bite and I'll ask the question: What is the sauce of death? Um, well, I think it goes back to the part where a lot of people were expecting um, a sauce version of it, and the actual team said, "No, fuck off! We don't make one. We are too busy with it. Um, it's going to be released in my 
yeah, write that <laughs> in my pants and stuff like that. Um, so at one LAN, someone got his printer, printed out a player model, wrote down AHL sauce and glued it on a, um, on a ketchup bottle. So that is the, <laughs> the running the running gag of it. I love so it. That's good. Yeah, Use I think the sauce. It, yeah. yeah, I think we showed it to um to uh sorry William, the possible intro movie with the free sauce bottles. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. So, yeah, <laughs> inside joke. I have to say, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I really love. I don't want to say it's stylish, but I I, I really love sort of. Um, the comedy involved. There we go. I, I love the comedy involved with the action series. I've always loved how, you know, playful the development has always been and how playful the, the whole gameplay feels. You know, it's not too serious. It's not serious at all. Um, it's just, like you said, a run and gun, jump in and play. And that's what more models need to be. Yeah. I don't know if you guys were old enough to remember Duke Nukem because that, for me, yeah. was kind of, you know, that was the pinnacle of cheesy comedy. You know, it, the things in that game just made you wet yourself, you know, when you looked at some of the situations and maps and some of the stuff they put in there. It's fantastic, and it's an inspiration for me anyway. Yeah, of course. So anyway, um, if anybody else doesn't have any questions, any more questions, is everybody dry? I'm pretty dry. Thomas, Emmanuel? Mm, no, I mean, that was my, my chief concern, really. I mean, beyond that, I haven't had a chance to play yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Do I guess the all-important question is now, Yeah. <laughs> when is it coming out? Honestly, this time. Yeah, honestly. So, uh, because I was going to make a comment on that. We 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 really want to release the first of April. We it's been it's been a standing joke for so long. I think that the fans have waited like nearly four years for some news of a source version, maybe longer. I think. Um, so yeah, the the whole first of April thing we were hoping to release then, uh, but we had a number of set, setbacks with the Linux distribution. So there will be a Linux server binary available. We've got that sorted now, but we had some initial problems with that. Uh, and also, unfortunately, the, the development server we we were operating on got. Um, Got hacked as well, so we, we it took us down by about three weeks. To basically, just scrub the system clean, start from scratch, recover everything from backups and everything. So that really set us back, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. so that's why the delay, and it's nothing other than that. Basically, we, we, I was not expecting to be this late in coding because I've got other other deadlines in my life which I've got things to be doing with. So yeah, it's, it's starting to overrun now, which is bad. So we do hope to release it like really ASAP. Mm-hmm. So like this Good. month ASAP. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. You guys should release it on my birthday. That's kind of far <laughs> no, away, though. No, don't give him that pleasure. That's, that's the don't, 30th. Don't you William like a human. Uh, the 30th is kind of far away, though. I don't know if people could wait another month. <laughs> but again, I mean, just to set the expectation right for the listeners, it's just the, the initial release, you know. It's the first attempt. It's going to be buggy. There's going to be problems. There's going to be some crashes, I'm sure. We'd like to think it's as polished as we could have made it in the minimum amount of time we've built it. But, you know, and we look forward to the feedback. We really do. I think that's what it's all going to be about. Okay, so where can people go to find out more about uh, Action Half-Life 2? Uh, ActionHalflife2.com, uh, also ministryofaction.net. All right, and of course the ModDB profile. Um, yeah. So that's it. We're kind of running out on time, so we're going to hold on to the listener questions until next week. Sorry, Stratafarius. Oh, let's period. do it. Well, they're, no. they're a little bit long. They, they, they submitted an audio question. Let's, let's fucking do the audio question. We always complain about it. <laughs> I know, but we never go this long. So, Shut up and do the audio questioning. Just do it. Okay. Um, do it now. First, first Stratafarious question. Um, I guess we'll play it right now, and then we'll talk about it. Yar, matey. This is your listener. I mean pirate Stratafarious. 
forget it. All right, hey podcast seventeen, it's me, Stratofarius, and I finally work up the nerve to make an audio question. Yeah, first of all, just to say that this is my normal voice because I am a kid from Brazil, so I have a kind of an accent, and it's not really good. Okay, here goes my question. What do you guys think about the other side of the Half-Life 2 slash any other Evolve game community? When I say the other side of the community, other side of the community, I mean the fan arts, the fan fictions, and the machinimas. There are movies made on video games based on any of these universes. I think it would be a pretty cool question because you guys only talk about mods. The podcast is great, or should I say podcasts? I simply love Emmanuel and the Kitty. Oh, hail the Kitty. Oh, hail the Kitty. Keep up the good work. Well, uh, this is your Stratofarius. Enough. I would just like to point out that he actually used a pirate voice because he knew that I'd be right. Right. As usual. And so, what Stratofarius was asking is uh, what do you think? Of the other side of ha the Half-Life 2 community, like uh, Makamaha and all that sort of stuff. Um, and, you know, sort of the fan base and um, how we feel about that sort of thing. And, I don't know, personally, I think anything Half-Life 2 related is awesome. <laughs> I love Half-Life 2 Makama to get started. So. But that it's, that, that's, actually, that's actually oddly appropriate for, for this team because, like I said earlier, with the role-playing thing, I mean... They took their game and essentially made it into another game without them realizing it. So that that's kind of it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, and uh, I mean the Half-Life 2 community has always been sort of sort of so close knit. You know what I mean? It's been over 10 years now, and uh, you know everybody sort of does their own thing. They have their own. I mean, even at the end of this, uh, even at the end of this podcast, we'll be playing custom music written about Gordon Freeman in sort of a punk style. So, I mean, I love that sort of stuff. Um, I have sort of some fan fiction kicking around. I have all the strategy guides, and I have all of uh, um, I don't know why I can't think of his name, but uh, the 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 writer of Half Life's all his original books, even though they're not Half Life related. Um, I just love digging into that sort of stuff. I think community is really what makes Half Life great. You know, if it wasn't for the community, Half-Life wouldn't exist. It's really that simple. Mm -hmm. And Half-Life really I started agree. as, um, you know, the only reason Half-Life is so big now is because it was really the first, you know, close-knit community video game. Before, um, you would have, like, before, all you would really have was, like, Duke Nukem and that sort of stuff. I mean, a lot of people don't know, but um, when Half-Life was coming out, its major competitor was Sin, right? Um, the original Sin. And what happened was they had this sort of competition between release dates. And I remember this. I don't know if any of you guys here remember this, but uh, Sin released first. And they were like, all right, we're going to beat out this Valve team, whoever the hell that is. We're going to beat them out. We're going to release our game. And it's going to be better than anybody else's. Well, what happened was Half-Life released afterwards. And because Half-Life was so community-oriented, they had that those sort of development tools to keep the community together and the mod community alive and things like that. They actually beat out Sin, even though they came out first. So, I mean, it's really what kept them afloat, and it's really what kept them alive in the early years. And it's what, and the community now is what keeps them driving. For I mean, I can see myself playing Half-Life and talking about Half-Life until I die. 
<laughs> so and and people people do not give credit where it's due. It's and I say this because what we have here is something very very important. No one realizes it, but the collective of TF2 and Left 4 Dead and Counter-Strike and Half-Life players and the mod community and all of them by themselves, we're no one. We're just consumers. We're just single people. But when you put them all together, you have yourself a player base that a company has to recognize. And believe it or not, companies have been chasing after that player base for years now. Valve, and it's, it's been what's kept Valve alive for so long, and it's why they cater to us so, so much. And they, in lieu of things like DLC and digital distribution being phased out, they have themselves kept true to the community. And if it wasn't for, for all of us just doing our own thing, making mods, making maps, hosting servers, making player-related uh, content, if, if it wasn't for that, then we wouldn't have a lot of the things that we have now, like like Steam and, and the digital distribution that falls at you know free stuff like free campaigns and, and all that jazz. So that's that's something that a lot of people don't realize and it's important to, to keep that in, in perspective. And you'll see that um, I hate to use WoW as an example, but I'm going to <laughs> the interface add on community, whenever they don't get something they want, it did Blizzard gets their, their their shit pushed in essentially. I mean, they have to cater to that to that crowd now because there's just so many of them. So keep that in mind whenever you're you're buying a game or whatever. I mean, you yourself have a voice because if they don't cater to that to that mod community, then you know that that goes a large there goes a large player base, and they need that. So also, I mean, look at what we're doing right now. Uh, I mean, the Strive Fairies asked us what we think about the external community. We are actually part of the external community we're doing a podcast about half-life so of course i love it <laughs> yeah and, and that and that just that just goes to show how uh, how cool it is it, I, I remember i, I was uh, being considered for a job at mckinnamagat.com or whatever for their um what is it called the guy who's in charge of the community leader and they and i had no idea but mckinnamagat machinima is so big that they actually needed their own team leader just for just for half-life and I'm sure it's bigger in other games too, but you know it's it's fantastic. I I personally don't like it that much, but it's like the lit fuse. You know, lit fuse is awesome. The lit fuse stuff, awesome. Love that team. Yeah, uh, there's some really good ones out there if you look at it. I remember the first Counter Strike McKinnon. I, I remember watching that. It was on office. No, not office. It was on Militia. And that was awesome. It was it was really cool. Thomas, I mean, you're part of a big tight knit community. Do you have any com- comments? I mean, Half Life, uh, Half Life. Uh, your site <laughs> minus one is very community or half-life creations sorry i said community so i had community in my head half-life creations is very community oriented so i mean i'm sure you have tons to say about that yeah like it's a pretty large community it keeps on growing and it's probably one of the only hosting communities that i've ever seen that actually shares as much content in between games ever like uh when we were interviewing Alistair from The Forgotten, unfortunately that mod has been postponed possibly indefinitely, but he released a lot of content to both Heart of Evil and Cry of Fear. Like, just about everything that he had that anyone could use. Uh, and also, um, Heart of Evil had a whole bunch of stuff that was left over that we have just chucked around to the various mod teams that have asked for it, so... It's uh, it's pretty tight knit. We've got people all over, and I don't think it would have been able to happen any other way. I, 
there's just there's just something inherently awesome about the fact that regardless of age, sex, gender, fiscal backing, anything, you can release a mod. I mean, as silly as it sounds, it doesn't matter if you work at a McDonald's, it doesn't matter if you don't know how to read. If you if you played Half-Life and you liked it, you can create your own Half-Life experience. And even beyond that, if you're really, really good at it, you can do it for years on end and eventually get a job doing it just because some mod, uh, just because some game company saw it and thought you did a good job. Look at Minerva. The idea that they that he just went and made something and it was so good that a company saw that and decided they wanted that just out of the blue, especially Valve of all of them. That's that's pretty. You have to admit that's pretty amazing, and I, I love it. I mean, I I do this podcast just because. Not not because I enjoy doing the podcast, but because I like to keep up with the community and see what's coming out. Because if I didn't do this, I wouldn't have a reason to play all these mods. I wouldn't know what's coming out. So that's and, and it's just a pleasure to do that. It's just you don't you don't get that anywhere really. And and it's the best thing is that companies seek that. They know they know that there's money behind it. So yeah. Um, okay. So next question. And right now we're streamless, but that's okay because we still record. So unfortunately. 12 people at our 300 weekly listeners are not listening to this right now. <laughs> um, the next question comes from Penis, and uh, I think his question was, what makes uh, a mod good or bad? Here, we'll play it right now. Yarg. What usually makes you like or dislike a mod? <laughs> um, so what makes a mod good or bad in your opinion, Emmanuel? Do you really want to know? Yeah. Okay. Not having trams, um, not having boxes, box maps, um, having more than three textures. Um, that's what makes it good. Uh, making it bad, I would say, have trams, um, use box maps, and only use three textures. It on, but on a serious note, it depends. Like the problem, the problem with modding is that people look at Counter Strike and they think. Man, that is so popular. I would love to be that popular. And they all chase this, this pseudo uh, sense of, of fame. Like, you can make your mod just as good. Counter-Strike is a one-time thing, guys. I hate to break this to you. It will never, ever happen again. Because you will never see a game. Because there was nothing back then to compete with it. There was, I mean, there was no World of Warcraft. There was no Counter-Strike. There was no Battlefield. There was no, you know, there was no competition. So for them, they could go out, release something that wasn't that good but just happened to be perfect at the time, and then wham, they had their player base, you know? It's not going to happen again. You have to make something that doesn't, doesn't have to follow a specific niche. It just has to be good at what it does, and people will respect that. Neo Tokyo, I, I love it to death, and I'm going to play it nonstop, but I guarantee half of the listeners out on this podcast are not going to like it. It's just because it's so specific, and, you know, it, and when it comes down to it, the way, the way to be successful is to create what you want have fun with it, and maybe there will be that one in a million chance that it will be the next Counter-Strike or the next day defeat, but chances are you're just going to be stuck with something that's just something that you're doing to to enjoy yourself, and that's all you can do. That's Neo Tokyo calling, telling you to stop telling people that they won't like their mod. Yeah, that's that's their lawyers right now telling me to uh, <laughs> shut the fuck up. But uh, but that that's just honestly the way... That's that's the that's what makes a mod fun for me is when I know that the people making it are having fun. Period. There's no there's no other way of saying it. It's just I think that's it. I mean, when I play Action Half Life, I'm sure that I'll see that they did it because they enjoyed it, and I'll probably love it for that. You know. 
Um, I guess I guess we can kind of say it now. Um, I'm planning a contest, and this kind of goes with Penis's um, comment. Um, nothing yet. I'm planning a contest that is going to be called the Worst Map Mapping Contest, and that's all I'm going to say right now. And uh, we should be hearing something we'll have a winner. next week. What's that? The dark, dark World is the <laughs> dark, winner. Yeah, Dark World is going to be the winner. <laughs> but, uh, no, it should be interesting because I, I hope people take our advice or our negative advice and sort of create a worst map. You know, all the don'ts. But the map obviously has to run. But more details on that next week. And uh, we'll be talking about that in more in a lot more detail. It'll be good. See, that's going to be interesting because it can't just be bad in the sense that it's bad because it doesn't load or it's bad because it's a square it's just a square box where you die every 5 seconds. It has to be truly bad because if you make it purposefully bad, then it'll end up being fun like uh, Halfquake was. But if you make it too bad, then it won't qualify because it's just, you know, you running around in a box room dying over and over. It has to be genuinely displeasing to play, like <laughs> physically painful, like just mobs that I'm not going to give hints away, but you you get the point. It can't just be bad. It has to it has to be bad. Right. So anyway, um, so that about wraps up the show. Unfortunately, our stream went dead. Um, I don't know if Thomas is trying to figure that out, but it doesn't matter. We only have about two more minutes left. Um, so um, I'd like to thank uh, Christian and uh, James uh, for being on the show and talking about Action Half Life. Yay. <laughs> we are definitely excited for it and uh, uh, don't take our harsh criticism of negative feedback it's a great mod and I love it and I know yep. Emmanuel loves it and Thomas is sort of on the fence but <laughs> Thomas, Thomas likes bad things so if he doesn't like it then you're doing something right <laughs> but, well um, we have the scurvy walk that plank if you not like it uh, <laughs> there you go and that's that's all I asked for <laughs> will you will, here I'll, put, I'll, I'll say this will you put a pirate model into the into the game for me maybe you should put a podcast <laughs> yeah. 17 model in there you should put oh, a manual yeah. we had uh, we actually we actually added super volcanoes last time on the on the request of uh, an ai bot so uh, yeah we could we, we do <laughs> put it that works put, for me put a podcast 17 player model in there put emmanuel's face like all down syndromed and have him wear a podcast 17 shirt and that'd be awesome you That's can, gonna go well. You can get his face my off of uh, the planet Half Life. My lawyer, you're gonna be getting a call from my lawyers if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> and if you go retail, I want a portion of the of the of the money, fifty percent. So anyway, um, and also I'd like to thank Emmanuel and Thomas as usual. Thank you for being on the show. Of course. And guys, go to www.podcast17.com. Post your comments. Post your audio wait, questions. Wait, wait, wait. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, um. When you when you actually go through and add the models, is it a pain in the ass, like to add a, an entire model? Yeah, because we. Really? <laughs> yeah, because um, let's just say that we hate XSI or that oh. soft image. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't it be? So you can't just add anything you want. We can we, uh, we can scan well, stuff easy. That's the easy part. Putting the graphics on. It's the actual making the model, the three D part, and the skeleton work and the ragdoll how, stuff. How hard would it be to make a T Rex model? Because I think that'd be really easy. <laughs> <laughs> the T Rex model. Sk the skinning it, and don't say anything about Velociraptors, because I'm getting sick and fucking no. tired of hearing about these. Velociraptor goddamn... model is going to be a needed. Oh, no, the for Velociraptor model is going to be all black because they're all stealth, because they're all uh, sneaky and scary. When a T Rex is just like fuck you, fuck. You. It's like 50 feet tall. You hear that? I don't That's think so. Velociraptor. I think if I can have put a T-Rex yeah. model in there, then it would be way too overpowered. 
but if they had a Velociraptor model in there, it would take some strategy and some stealth. That's the point. You a Velociraptor. I just don't see I just don't see a Tyrannosaurus Rex sideward diving through a window. Maybe a Velociraptor. Could you imagine a 50 foot Tyrannosaurus Rex trying to jump through a window and end up in a window?